Hey guys, welcome to the Barely Joking Podcast with uh, Part Shori and Aaron Figueroa. And yep, yep. today we have a special guest with us, uh, one of my best friends from Dallas, uh, <laughs> Michael. And he's the host of the Say Michael Podcast. And he's here with us to talk about his podcast and comedy and how the quarantine's been treating him in Dallas. Yeah, it has. Yeah, I am here. What's up, everybody? Yo, Michael, what, what's your last name, my man, for, for everyone who doesn't know? Michael Agbajan. Agbajan, bro. Like, that sounds so yeah, French, Agbajan. bro. Yeah, everyone says that. Yeah, it, it's, it's a little Frenchy, but uh, it's Nigerian. So uh, I'm first generation. Correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of Nigerians actually know French, right? Yeah, I see they do. A lot of them do. Yo, that's dude, man. Yo, I don't really know any you. French though. Damn it! <laughs> it's almost like me being Puerto Rican. I I know no I know no Spanish, none. Pretty no much. Spanish I know at all. all the curse words. What's that? No Spanish at all. I know all the curse words. You know. Yeah. Wait, I'm a, I'm gonna be real with you. I thought Puerto Rican Puerto. I thought there was another language in Puerto Rico called Puerto Rico. That ass. I thought Puerto Rico was a language. It was a language, yeah. I was like, I speak Puerto Rico. Because, because like, like I didn't know, but in Brazil, they don't speak Spanish, they speak Portuguese. Like, I thought, I, I thought it would be wrong for me to generalize that all Latin American countries speak Spanish. So I was just like, oh, no, they probably speak Puerto Rican there. See, look, like, that was my first thought. But then, you know, I kind of like covered it up by saying, okay, I've never heard anybody say that I speak Puerto Rican. So I was like, nah, that's not, that can't be, that can't be right. That's true. I should have, I should have done that kind of thinking, Michael. I'm, I'm... Yeah. Cause I was like, should I say something that you spoke up? I was like, ah, yeah, wait, so wait, that means Cuban isn't a language either. Nah, it's, it's not. They, they speak Spanish, bro. Oh shit. Yeah. I don't think anybody said Yo. I speak Cuban. That'd be weird. I thought there was a whole, whole array of of Latin American language that I didn't know about. Aren't you aren't you first generation too? Yeah, I'm first generation, yeah. Oh, so you're new to all this all this language stuff. <laughs> Wait, hold on. How do you define first generation? First generation means you were born in that country and you came here, right? No, no. First generation means you're born you're you're the first generation born in America. Oh, no, fuck that. I'm not first generation. I was born in India. Oh, so you so your your children will be first generation. Yeah, my children will be first generation. Wow. Ooh, that's I'm, major. I'm, I'm, I'm technically OG, yeah. So this wow. is gonna be some racist people that are gonna be like, "Oh my God, you're an immigrant." Be like, <laughs> <laughs> just like, how do you speak yeah, such good yeah. English? Yeah, right. Yo, no, dude, guys, like, yo, this cancel, this cancel culture is actually getting to a point where it was like it was annoying before, but now it's getting really interesting because I don't know if you guys heard about Cristalia getting canceled. Yeah, all, all the way. Yo, isn't that amazing? I'm just like, you would think that that wouldn't happen in the day of the internet because everything is is like recorded, right? Right, hold on, hold on. Are you privy to everything about Chris Lee? Because I've been fascinated with this for the last two weeks. Oh, okay. So maybe you have to to chat about uh about some updates that I might not know about because I just found yeah, out about it like a couple of days ago. And I was just yeah, like, Yeah, I, I saw I saw one thing in the beginning of the week and that's it. But what what have you found in your digging, Michael? Bro, okay. It's crazy. Like it's like a whole it's like the world's crashing down for Chris D'Elia because <laughs> Oh shit. So it's worse than I thought because Bro, it's really bad. A few headlines. Oh shit, okay. Yeah, okay. it's it's really bad. Mainly because um he's had communications with girls who are sixteen and seventeen, like knowingly. And like has asked, like he asked one seventeen year old girl, "Hey, can you come over like 
uh, to my hotel with your homegirl. Let's cuddle. You see what I'm saying? And then another oh, one was 16. Shit. And like he was saying, oh, man, you're too young. But like, you know, uh, being like facetious or just kind of being sarcastic about it. Like, oh, man, you're too young or whatever. And then um, he's kind of been, um, uh, I guess, what they say, grooming these like younger girls. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know yeah. what I mean? Into like, you know, who are because here's what happens. When he sees a girl who likes him or something like that, the main the way it starts through DM. So he's like, hey, DM me. And then a lot of times, a lot of, through a lot of these women, whether they're 16 to like 21, doesn't really matter. I guess as long as they're young, it's basically that he, before meeting up, he wants to guarantee something like sex. He wants to guarantee like, come over, let's drink or whatever. Are you old enough to drink? And all these different type of like creepy ass questions. And um. Uh, just one interview that there was, there was on, um, uh, I guess the fighter and the kid. And oh, I saw that. I saw that clip. I saw that. Clip. Where, where he like, he like, hold on. <laughs> I thought Snapchat erases. They're like, no, you can record. And he's like, oh, huh. <laughs> and then, here's the thing. Here's the thing that's even crazy about the whole thing is that, okay, as you, you know, we're all men. So y'all know you're not going to hit a hundred percent when it comes to like, talking to women you're not gonna oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah but yeah. but there's a percentage of no matter how bad your game is you're gonna hit at least one home run at least you're right 100 right, at bat right, at right, least right. one and all these girls who came out which they you know they kind of came out through twitter you know um those are girls that rejected him now i'm just trying to imagine the girls that didn't reject him. oh shit you that's see what i'm saying point. and yeah, that's, that's why he's point. quiet because yeah, right yeah, now he's right. quiet and if you even look at it bro that's why i say bro it's ugly right now because uh, Brennan Schaub, which is supposed to be one of his best friends, erased all 70 pictures, you know what I mean, of him and Christy Lee on Instagram. Then you got Ooh, Brian, God. then you got Brian Callen, who erased all pictures of him and uh Christy Lea, right? Then, bro, yeah. his brother, Matt Delia, went on his podcast and said, Hey, I'm glad everyone's able to separate me from my brother. What? <laughs> Dude. So no. no one's no one really because you know, bro, like if this if this was like somebody who's your friend, right? You'd be like, what? I can't believe this. Like, there's no way. This it's not it's not his type of character. There's no way. But everyone's kind of like, hey, that hey, hey, we're different people. You know what I mean? I don't know. I like like uh Theo Vaughn was like, Oh man, like I just hope he gets help. You know, I just hope he gets help. And I'm like, okay. What's Shit, up with damn, everyone bro. throwing them under the bus? A uh, bus, yeah. So that means they know they know something, or they they have realized exactly what you just said, which is like, yo, but Chris was like Chris was successful a lot. So now, you know, if he's been getting laid a lot, some of these like a sixteen year old must have slipped through. At yeah, one point. yeah, at one point, <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That's a, like the success God rate damn. of a of a successful thirty six year old comic. You know, like having young girls lust over him and then him dming them back and forth he had to have like been successful at least once because see rule yeah, number one sure. is rule number one is if the first number in the age starts with a one you automatically block and i'm talking 18 19 too i'm not taking a chance right yeah see like, look that's... see look in college okay when okay there would be sometimes where high school girls would come on campus right Ooh. that's immediately when like the people who are smart they say gotta go we're leaving bye you know what i mean but some people right. Who were like, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna stay, I'm just stay behind. You know, I'm just gonna stay behind. And you're like, bro, yo, the, law the, says, the law says, those are right, the pioneers. But the law says like, it. I can make this happen. And it's just like, oh, you shouldn't, you shouldn't make that happen. But in their mind, it's just like, man, this is gonna be a great conquest. 
You know, <laughs> yeah, well, I, but, but the law says that if you're if you're 18 and the person is 14, so like 14 is the limit. So if you're 18 and you're 14, it's actually legal in some states, right? And I know this because I've been looking into like how all these people have been getting screwed over, and I'm like, just read the law, just read the law, and and I read the law and I realized. Don't waste time reading the law. Just have a blanket rule. <laughs> if the number starts with one, just it's over. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, just because why are you going after a 14 year old anyway? Even even when you're 18, you know. Like, I understand your argument of of oh you're you're on a college campus and you're you're a freshman and some high schooler comes who's a sophomore. Okay, now you're talking about now it just feels creepy just talking about it. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I but feel, see, I feel creepy just... right now. I got right. for you to know that law. I feel creeped out right now. <laughs> Just to be honest. <laughs> no, but you know, but the even worse part. Okay, Whitney Cummings, um, she deleted her episode uh, with uh, Chris D'Elia, but then she also deleted her episode with Brian Callen. So people were like, "Why does she like? Why does she erase both of them?" So um, right now, everyone's kind of making statements on it, but no one, not even his own brother, you know, is coming to his defense. That everyone's like. Oh, you know, like I hope he gets help. You know, I we knew nothing about this. We were never on the road with them. That's like, bullshit. You know what I mean? Bullshit. Yeah, yeah, Brian. That's bullshit. Brian Callum was one of the most vocal to say, "I don't know what to think. I don't. I don't know what to think. I never run on the road with them for the last, you know, fifteen years. I've known this man, and then I'm like, why are y'all speaking about your friend like this in a way yeah, that has zero defense? You know what I mean? So it, there has to be something about what's happened because he's already been dropped. CAA. That's his um his agency. They dropped him. Oh you know? shit! Okay, then it's official. Yeah, they dropped him, okay. and then his I guess his his team, his non CAA team, so his own like I guess he has uh, a small team, whatever. They they dropped the emails of like some of the like their accusations of what was going back and forth, and in one of them, the girl who I guess put out the main the first the girl who put it out first when she said he grew me when i was 16 or you know then i turned 17 and blah, blah blah and nothing's ever happened between us but this is his creepy messages whatever it showed later on that she when she turned 21 she sent him a message she said um uh i'm 21 now down to fuck <laughs> oh my god all right by that time chris was just like uh too old too obviously. old too old Obby. yeah you know, I also think part of it is um, for all of his friends to just be dropping him like this, that means that his best friend hasn't come out yet because his best friend would just be like, no, he's a good person while he's like doing the same shit that he is. But guess who's saying nothing though, bro? His, no, uh, Justin Bieber. No, 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 no. His opener. He had a guy who go went on the road with him all through. This guy named Matt. I forgot his... Um, if you go on his... Um, his uh Instagram, the guy who he went, and I guess he was grooming this guy to be his main opener or whatever, and uh they're going everywhere. So the fact is that he, that particular guy, he hadn't said a single word yet. Like not anything at all. He's trying to pretend like it's not happening. And everyone in his comments is like, Hey, are you gonna address the whole Crystalia thing? Are you gonna address it? Are you gonna address it? And he keeps ignoring it. No. I think we're gonna enter into a conspiracy theory right now. But do you know, bro, it doesn't make it any better that on his last podcast that he dropped, he's making fun of uh, Epstein, talking about he's a pedophile. Um, why do people think there's like Hollywood has a pedophile ring and, you know, this and that? Like he's talking about like it's heavy pedophile talk. 
And then you got the um, uh, workaholics. They dropped his episode where he's playing a pedophile. And then you no. have. <laughs> that, they dropped the episode. No, that's not the only thing, though. They also had that show, You, season two, where Crystalia was a pedophile in that show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah. I can. I'm just imagining how he got those roles. Or like, Chris, we're gonna need you to play a pedophile. He's like, I think I can tap into that. And it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> I think you can tap into that, bro. You know what I mean? So it's just the uh, the optics of what's going on. Because I, the way the reason I said I'm so fascinated on it the last two weeks is kind of, is kind of like he's been on this upward swing to where you know he's becoming his own unique, I guess, entity in comedy. You know, he just dropped his um, special, no pain, and all that. Yeah. And then next you know, you know, you have this situation pop up and I'm like, hold on, I think his career is over. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, like if you really break down all that, like there's no way he could, he could come out of this in a positive way at all, because a lot of everything that he does is based on his voice. So if people don't want to hear from what people, you know, see as a creep. Um, yeah. Okay. This guy. Okay. Michael Anochi, that's his opener you know so if you go if you go to michael Lenochi, michael Lenochi erased a lot of him and uh chris D'Elia. so literally everyone's like instead of people coming to like defense and saying hey i've never seen this type of behavior from him i don't know what's going on this can't be true this must be some type of mistake uh i you know i i, I feel for the girls but we love to do more investigation to figure out what's going on everyone's like erase erase but, but here's the thing right Here, and here's the my two points on this, and I think these are a bit bit of serious points. Number one, this sounds very similar to Kevin Spacey, right? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. how quickly all this is happening. But number two, we, you and I, Michael and Aaron, obviously, just we just made an assumption saying that this man probably was successful with a couple of sixteen-year-olds. But he released a statement saying, "I didn't. I no sixteen-year-old has has come out, right? Mm-hmm. And and or no sixteen-year-old. I've I've never hooked up with anyone who's underage. Blah blah whatever. My only question is." What if you do the investigation or they do an investigation, whatever charges get filed or become serious and it turns out, okay, he's not guilty. Cause are we canceling too quickly? You know what I'm saying? Like his friends dropped him and everything and we're making these assumptions, but you can also say his friends dropped him cause they don't want their careers canceled. You know, yeah, yeah, they, were, well, well, they, they were, they were such a tight group. Well, I, I, I definitely understand what you're saying, but the, the cancel culture is based on, you know, like assumptions, right? Like they assume you, you exactly. know the worst, right? But the issue with this particular one with him, where it's, I don't think it's a cancel too early, is that something needs to be said. You know what I mean? So once it right. comes out, you know, something needs to be said. He said something, but then as soon as he said something, more allegations came after he said something. You see what I'm saying? So right. the, oh, when the original proof, woman said something. With proof. You said what? Yeah. With proof, yeah, they did. No, but, there's no proof, yeah. but there's no, there's no proof of a successful hookup. No, with no, 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 no. And and the reason that. I'm arguing this, and the reason I'm arguing this, is because I don't want this to become the the way we deal with this. Mostly because then you have people who don't really deserve to be canceled, like Louis C.K. for example, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it, you had Kevin Spacey, and then you had Harvey Weinstein, and then like Louis C.K. was another big one, and like he didn't do any like. No one was underage. These were all like 30 year old women and he just jerked off in front of them or he was on a phone call. One of them and took his dick out. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think that is equivalent to if Chris D'Elia is guilty of hooking up with a 16 year old. It is not equivalent to that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think that's what scares me out of this is. Yeah. Oh, my God. If Chris D'Elia was hooking up with underage girls, 100 percent canceled. 
that's a perfect timing. But look at the way we reach that point. Some girl on Twitter starts it. So what stops me from going on Twitter and saying, this comedian did this to me when I was 16, and here are the texts, and here's that, this. But you, you get what I'm saying, yeah, right? No, no, there has no. to be a I, I, Like, for example, um, some people um, accused Justin Bieber of, like, uh, rape or whatever, and then... He said that that is factually impossible because I wasn't even in that city. I was in another completely different city performing and he showed his receipts. The woman who accused him erased her her uh, tweet and then he sued her for he's suing her for 20 million dollars. Right. So, but think about that, though. Like he now has to go through all this bullshit just because of one tweet. Do you get what I'm saying? We're giving yeah, we're giving tweets right. too much power here. That's what no, I'm no, saying. No, no, no. What I'm saying is you people aren't saying cancel Justin Bieber. Because Justin Bieber responded to it quickly to say, that's completely false. No way that that happened. This and this and that. Because, you know, I think some people, you know, when there's a fire, people like to add fuel to the fire. So, right. you know, right. so you got to kind of put it out before the fuel gets started. Because there's been a lot of people who've been accused. And then whenever there's like any le level of guilt, they kind of like step back. You know what I mean? And if some people have no guilt at all, where they said this did not happen, they come out really quickly, put out all the statements, and then the cancel culture pretty much says, well, he has his receipts. You know what I mean? And, right. you know, we right. can't really say anything. Yeah. So, you know, um, I feel like this is a, a particularly different uh, situation because he's, you know, he's been so silent. And, and with his silence, you know, more people are adding fuel to the fire. And then all the people who are in his direct circle are abandoning him. So I feel like that's pretty telling. Because the, the 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 best thing you could do is, and if you're being accused or falsely accused, is to say, this is completely false. There's no way this has happened. This is what happened. Break it down. Because if you do that, then people can't, can no longer keep trying to, I put in quotes, cancel you. Because they're like, he's saying, he's he's not scared. He's not hiding behind anything. He's actually coming out with something. Whereas, like, right. Lu, like Louis C.K., he, what he did, he went and he disappeared. You know, and right, people are like, right, right. whoa. And then multiple allegations, right? Like, you know, and then finally we felt like, let me come out with this um, uh, this statement. And the statement that Louis C.K. came out with was kind of like facetious and sarcastic as well, where he was like, I'm sorry, I should have, I should ask women before I pull my dick out in front of them. And da 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 da. Like, I'm like, if you're going to be sarcastic, this isn't the time. You know what I mean? And because of that, you know, his career hasn't rebounded in a way that I feel like it, it could have. Like, for example, when you talk about cancel culture, nobody was trying to cancel Aziz Ansari. They, you know, at first they were like upset, but then when I, when the full story came out, people were like, "Okay, this is a bad date. This was definitely well, a bad okay. date." So, Michael, real quick, I just want to yeah. just want to let you know that what Aziz Ansari did was he actually did take a step back, but when he when he did make a statement, he was just like, "Listen, this didn't happen, and I'm really sorry that she felt that our interaction wasn't." wasn't good but i didn't do anything wrong and like because the facts came out and then he was like he was pretty much innocent like he almost like he did exactly what crystalia is trying to do right now which is like stay silent and let like like facts come out but there just seems to be more evidence piling up for crystalia and there was not that much evidence for aziz ansari's accuser but she did corroborate the evidence that said like you know they stopped when then when when she felt uncomfortable, he got her an Uber when she was ready to leave, right? So it was, mm -hmm. I just think it was a different situation. Well, with, with uh, Aziz Ansari, 
people were sympathetic of his situation because for sure. you know like it was very confusing you know what i mean yeah. and um people looked at it more as a bad date but the issue um did y'all are y'all familiar with the scarlet letter a right nah no. Okay, what Scarlet Letter A. It's a story, and it's about this woman who I guess. Oh yes, about, sorry. Yeah, I know. Oh, oh, well, Park okay, doesn't yeah. know, right? No, no, I know the story of the Scarlet Letter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Aziz, I'm sorry. You know, once you get accused, you get that Scarlet Letter A on you. So everywhere you right. go, everyone's looking at you like, "Oh, I remember you. You're the guy who was with old girl." And da 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 da. So yeah, yeah, he yeah. he doesn't come out publicly at all. Like the only thing he's came out with since this entire thing was that um. Was his special, but he, yes, but they haven't came out with Masters of None, which is a brilliant show. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you know that hasn't happened, and he hasn't done any type of, you know, like shows or movies. Like he's literally in what I would consider some level of like depression, where he just doesn't want to come out because he feels so shamed at what happened. Even if you saw his special, twenty five percent of his special was at how bad he felt. You know, and you could hear it in his tone. So literally, you know, it's not the fact that people canceled him. It's more that he feels like he doesn't have any like this. He's not the same person when he comes out. Like he's he's no yeah. longer Aziz Ansari anymore. You know, exactly. And For I think sure. and I think that comes and I think that comes with the fact that if if we go about this way in an extreme way and we don't have degrees of punishment and action on the different acts or we don't have an open discussion on it, then what happens is everyone gets put under that category of of not, of not of whether or not it's been a true sexual assault accusation or whatever. It's just sexual assault accusation. That's it. That's the mm -hmm. only container. So even if it's true or not, even if it's been a bad date, or even if it's something that doesn't qualify as sexual assault, which is putting your dick out, which is just a sexual harassment, which, which is what Louis C.K. did, or a bad date like a season. Sorry, they're still under the same umbrella as Chris D'Elia or Kevin Spacey or Epstein. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, oh, they did something that we don't agree as a society is correct sexually. But there, there are a lot of things, you know, in that category that have to be... Bro, I, I, I wish I could play this. This uh, <laughs> this is hilarious because if I play this, this, um, this video of this guy, okay, this girl came out on Twitter and said that... Um, this ex whatever guy assaulted me, you know, mm -hmm. and then he came on screaming. Everyone came to his defense. Just just so y'all know, everyone came to his defense because he came on screaming and says, look, 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 we didn't have sex. I did not penetrate her. I did eat her pussy, though. And I asked her. <laughs> that's what he said. He's like, he's saying the plays like I asked her and he had it on speakerphone. He says, all right. So did we have sex? She's like, no. He's like, all right. But. You know, did I ask to eat your pussy? She's like, yes. He's like, okay. So I ate your pussy and then I left. And she's like, yeah, but I felt weird after. He's like, but I asked you. I asked you. You said yes. Right, you said right. yes. You know, and he's like upset. And then like, yeah, but she's like, yeah, but you're saying I assaulted you. That's different. You're saying I assaulted you exactly, because you felt right. weird after. She's like, I know. I Well, I felt weird after. He's like, yeah, feeling weird is different than assault. So he's like upset because she's misunderstanding the whole issue behind when you when you claim assault on somebody so some people might misunderstand what you know uncomfortable is because the same woman for aziz ansari she's like i feel super uncomfortable he's walking around with his pants down so to make and him she wrote a piece on it yeah 
don't yeah, understand. She said, you had a bad date and you wrote an entire article? Like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, she's like, to make him stop, I went down on him. I'm like, what? Hold on, hold on, what? <laughs> yo, <laughs> yo, what? <laughs> it's like, yo, you're taking a Krav Maga class and the dude's like, look, if you're a woman, the number one way to stop something is suck his dick. It's like, what? <laughs> what? Bro, yo. what she said, I, really, I felt so uncomfortable, so I went down on him to, for, so he could stop. I was like, what? Hold on, what? Hold on, is that, I, the, is that the way? I, I, I also really like the part where, like, in that video, obviously we haven't heard the video, but in the if if it's anything like you described it to be, he's just like, I asked you if I could eat your pussy and then I could leave, and she's just like, yeah, and it's just like, then how the hell are you gonna tell me anything? It's just like I didn't come, and it's just like, okay, now we understand. <laughs> yeah, Everyone yeah, you understands see what I'm saying? Now. That is so assault. In his in his sense, like, look, another situation similar to it because you know. I try to understand it too, right? Like another one came out with an athlete at UNT. They're saying, cancel this guy. He needs to go to a different school. And then what happened is that they're all at a party. Everyone's drunk. And then um, he says, okay, I'll take you home. She's like, I am going home with him. So then he takes her to her apartment. She lets her, she lets him into her apartment. Then she says, hey, I'm going to take a shower. You know, and then he says, hey, is it okay if I join you? And he said, and then she said, well, I don't mind. I mean, it's okay. So then he got in the shower with her and then she said, while he's in the shower with me, he tries to stick it in. And I'm like, uh, what's going on? I'm like, huh? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> you let him in the shower with you. She's like, I didn't know he's going to try to stick it in. I was like, hold on. What is going on here? Like what, what, what men are missing the signals of no, because they look like yeses, you know, and. No, but they've always been those signals, though. It's always been signals with women, right? It's always been, uh, you know, how am I supposed to know if I'm supposed to kiss a girl? I'm supposed to read the signals. That's mm -hmm. what a girl would tell you. She'll she'll put her hair behind her ear or she'll do this, that. And now it's reached a point where it's just like, I'm like, just ask. Like, literally, hey, you want to make out? Yeah, if she literally. says yes, I need it on video. I need you to snap <laughs> me. You can. Like, no, no that's, dead ass. I have no, a, I, that's true. That's dead ass. He's being he's being real because like you know growing up it was always like you read the signals and it's almost like the movies right and th by the way i'm like why and why is anybody taking cues from tv shows and movies anymore right because like everything seems to be wrong everything she's like she didn't say yes but she looks like she wants to be kissed and then you go for it and she's like what the fuck are you doing and it's just like oh i guess i misread the that that situation like, yo you were eating the banana that way what, what am i supposed <laughs> yeah. to think yeah but you know it's funny it's funny because i like I okay look I do stand by women who do come out and you know in a brave way to say hey this happened I've been holding this in and you know um, yeah 100 percent uh, yeah yeah like that to me I feel like it, it's a lot of bravery to come out and say hey this is what happened and you know it should look like what it what it is obviously assault or some type of harassment in some way to where you know like it's equal type of punishment to what's happening but the thing is is that in my experience, you know, for you talking about from college to any time after or anything like that, a lot of, and this is what a lot of men, a lot of yeses start out as no's, you know, where a girl's like, oh, don't touch my neck. That's my spot. Don't touch my neck, you know? And next thing you know, something happens is because, you know, like some, there, there's some times where a girl says no, and then she pushes her, uh, her body up against you and all that to, cause right. there's like that type of, um, uh, like, uh, I don't even know how, how to even describe it. I think it's, More it's, like, we, it's a push and pull. It's like, it's like, yeah, it's like nonverbal yeah. seduction, right? Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. And because of that, you know, like most of the time, and this is, I say majority of the time, I'll have to say majority of the time, it ends up being okay.
There's no issues. You know, the girl might feel a little bit regretful because she's like, oh, I didn't want to give him that much power so early. You know what I mean? And then after that, like, you know, <laughs> you know, but, you know psychology, psych, fucking psychopaths or something. Yeah, you know? yeah. I didn't want to give him that uh, much power. Let me, but yeah. let me ask you this. Do you think, I mean, I, I agree with you. It, it takes a lot of bravery to come out, you mm -hmm. know, especially if you've been a victim. I, I stand by that. All right. If you truly are a victim. Mm -hmm. But do you think the statement that's happening, that's coming out of all this, which is believe all women. Do you stand? Do you believe? No, that? no, no, no. I don't. I don't feel like believe all women. Like, like I right. like saying believe all men, which or, or right. you know what I mean. So I feel like. <laughs> oh wait, wait, wait! Can we stop yeah. right there for a second? Because I have never heard that before. Believe I all heard men, it. and I'm just like, listen, that is a perfect fucking, uh, you know, reason to not believe all women because men fucking lie. Men lie to your face. <laughs> yeah, men lie. Yeah, men, <laughs> men lie liars. so much right now, uh, and always really. They would but just they, be like, but the whole because my, mm -hmm. oh go ahead Michael no I was saying the whole believe all women you know like when I get it that if a woman comes because it is really hard for a woman to come out and do that because again she might be labeled as something that she doesn't want to or she might not be believed and that makes it look makes her look even worse you know um, or she might not know that she's not the only one so this it does start the the conversation going but the the part of the issue is there is a misunderstanding on like i told you with the girl with the shower she she took the guy to her apartment he asked can i get in the shower with you she says sure and then she's like what's he trying to do trying to make moves on me it's kind of like i don't get it i don't get it i don't get it it's like well, you're in the shower wet soaked up what is the what is the signal that i'm giving out right now it's yeah like, i'm sorry man what yeah so then people were like uh, i don't know about that one that one you know because when you have we have all the facts and you're like okay i don't know about that one but the a lot of it is that a girl, if she feels, you know, like uncomfortable or has an issue, her main thing is how can I damage this person is by laying out an accusation, hoping that it, it destroys or hurts the guy. It's, it's the same way of like baby mom saying that my, 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 uh, the baby daddy's a, a deadbeat. He's a he's a deadbeat, y'all. He don't want to see his kids. He's right. like, that's not the real story. Talk, tell him the real story. She's like, now he's a deadbeat. He don't want to see his kids. But you, you're not <laughs> really knowing or understanding. Like, like I didn't. I have an employee who, when the when his uh his girlfriend came, she would um like she would drive up, park in a space. This is at a car wash, so everyone knows. Um, she would park in a space, and then she like uh X blah 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 his name. I'm not gonna say his name. Come over here right now. If you don't come over here right now, you're not gonna get, be able to see your baby. If you don't come over here right now, I tell you, you're not gonna be able to see your baby. She's screaming it. And I was like, see, you know, and he's telling me, I told you, Mike. That's what I'm telling you that you know. People think I am the deadbeat, but she uses my son against me all the time. And I, I literally try to be cooperative, but then she she has the power. That's her power. So it's, it's the same thing as, you know, laying down an accusation that, OK, oh, you think you're going to make me look dumb? Just like the whole situation where the girl said, hey, 21, down to F now. And he didn't respond after that. So he stopped responding. She's like, oh, okay, so what? You're not going to show me no love now? How about I do this? Boom. You know what I mean? Like, right, exposes right. him. So it's it's Ooh. all... But it's another spectrum of power now, right? You've added another spectrum of power, which is, yeah, woman had these advantages in divorce courts. Believe all woman was, was something that happened. And there are examples of believe all woman. Like Brian Banks, the football player, he was in jail for six years over a false accusation. Mm -hmm. Emmett Till which basically caused Jim Crow's laws to be, you know, looked at again. Mm -hmm. You know the story of Emmett Till, yeah, right? Yeah. You're, you're black, Michael, right? So yeah. you, you fucking are <laughs> yeah. a white woman who made a false application, like, like a fa false accusation. So now you have something else, which is Twitter, which gives you attention now. Now, now you just have to go on Twitter and write a tweet, and now you're showered with a bunch of attention. 
So now you ha- you're giving them even more power. Yeah, but there's a Twitter account where the girl tagged it too that is meant for dogs, I guess, like for guys who are, I guess, dogs, and that's where she tagged it to, and they spread it. So basically, um, you know, you might only have like 30 followers on Twitter, and you try to get something out, put all the hashtags there, it never catches fire. But if you tag it to someone that has a platform and then they retweet it, you know, that has 300, 400 million followers, that is where the, where the, the, I guess, the pain comes from. You know what I mean? It's because, you know, some people might try or, you know, because again, I think that Chris D'Elia probably would have, in, in his case, preferred that she probably would have sued him or went, you know, criminally towards him versus like, putting it on Twitter and letting the, like the, you know, uh, public opinion, you know, or the, the court of public opinion. opinion, Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. make their decision. But you know, to me, it's all part of like how you respond. Because to me, if someone accused me of something that I didn't do, there's ways that you can respond in ways that make it better. Some people don't know how to do that. Like when Kevin Hart, whenever, um, it came out with him, you know, and, um, uh, like I guess like him cheating oh, on his, his gay uh, comment. Oh, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. The gay, yeah, no, no, no. The gay okay. comment that that one. And you know him. This is this is what this is usually what happens with most of us, right? Like we don't have someone that we filter our our responses through. So therefore, you know, like you say, let me just come out with what how I feel, my truth. But you got to understand that your truth and your honesty is nobody else's business but your own. You see what I'm saying? So when <laughs> Kevin Hart said, "Hey, let me." Let me make a statement when he 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 bypassed his team, he bypassed his agent, he bypassed his wife, he bypassed everybody and said, look, I apologize already. And da, 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 da. He's like he's coming with an attitude and all mad. And then that backlash and that backfired. And then next, thing you know, he has to make a huge public apology tour because it just it just hurt him. And the whole thing is, is that there's ways to respond that are empathetic, understand, understanding like Joe Biden. He responded empathetically and understanding, and it's not really sticking because he's already addressed it. But see, Chris D'Elia is not responding, and therefore more allegations, more people are finding out new little, you know, like cues and things about him. So I feel like cancel culture, I feel like it's not such a bad thing. When people talk about, oh, you know, like cancel culture is a bad thing, is that most people that you want at the top, because everyone's thinking about it, most people are haters, right? They don't want you to win. You know what I mean? Like if you're successful, mm-hmm. it, it, it it tells them that I'm not successful. So you winning out there is a reminder that I'm a loser basically. So when you have where a bunch of like, I would say people who want you to fail because you're successful, you have to know that people are looking for you for, to, for anything to, to make a mistake on. So whenever you do make a mistake or when there is something that's like, like legitimate that, you know, you have an issue on or something like that, you should respond to it in a way that addresses it. So therefore it doesn't create more backlash because there's another woman by the name of B Simone. Y'all probably not familiar. Are y'all familiar with B Simone? Yeah. 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 She's getting canceled and dragged because she's, you know, like whenever everything was happening with George Floyd and the black lives matter, she was silent and she, you know, was pretty much leaning towards her religion saying that, you know, as a Christian woman, I'm gonna leave this up to God. And they're like, okay, but you're so vocal and all these other things. And you're so ratchet when it comes to all these different things. And, you know, that same night that she, that she dropped that statement, she was on a table twerking at at an apartment party or whatever. And, so they're saying, okay, your statements don't match your actions. And then next you know, she's like, look, I don't want to ever date a man that that uh that has a nine to five. That backlash too. This is this no, is right I after that, right? That. I remember yeah. that. 
So people are like, what? Not a fight? Like, what you trying to say? She's like, I need a man who understands me. I need to understand. So she's in this fantasy land thinking that as an entrepreneur, only entrepreneurs could get with entrepreneurs because my wife, she works a nine to five. So it's a, what is it to say that people who work nine to fives don't understand entrepreneurs? So that didn't make sense. So she got dragged on that one. And then the final nail in the coffin, her book, you know, had four or five cases of plagiarism where she plagiarized people's like, um, like work word for word, page for page. And now she's like, oh, well, I didn't know this. I'm, I'm going to take full accountability. But even though it was my team that did it. So how do you take full accountability and blame your team? You see what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. basically she's being dragged. She loses all credibility. It's because when you when something happens, there's a way to respond. Dr. Drew, same thing. He responded to the whole coronavirus thing in an angry, agitated unprofessional way and what he lost all his credibility now he's silent because people said don't look to dr oz for nothing because yeah, look how he responds sure. you know they, they did the same thing for dr phil also when he was talking about the coronavirus response um mm -hmm. it was just and it's like for all these people who are just voicing their own opinions like they're like it's almost like what do you do do you voice your opinion and lose credibility lose fans or because like I don't know what fans really want when they when they see a personality. Do they just expect that same personality they see to not have any personal opinions? Yeah, you, know, you feel me? Uh, that's fucking the answer right there. Because <laughs> honestly, it feels like all this stuff is because of social media, right? It's called all because of cancel culture. Because everyone can voice their opinion now on Twitter, right? Like if if a celebrity voices an opinion, you can write a you can write a tweet right under there saying mm -hmm. fuck you this is why you're wrong you just lost a fan and people might jump on board and now you got a now you got a wagon going that everyone wants to jump onto so i think all this whatever the level of accusation or whatever the disagreement public the public has with if you're a celebrity with you they're going to voice it on twitter and try to go after you if they disagree with you and i think that's too much power and i think i think i the best way to address that is just not have a Twitter. Nah, know? nah, bro. Oh, I used to okay. think it's okay. Yeah. Real quick, this is all I really in response to what both of y'all are saying is that you have to slow down the speed at which you form an opinion on things you don't fully understand. You see what I'm saying? No, but Michael, they're always going to be idiots. That's the thing. They're always going to be. Think about. Think no, about no, no. The I'm, average, talking, think I'm talking about. I'm talking about from the, the the celebrity standpoint. I'm saying that when celebrities come out in a in a form opinions on things that they don't fully understand. And they have a hard stance on it. It's a 50-50 chance you're gonna lose. It happened with Kevin Hart. <laughs> it happened with B Simone. It happened with everybody. Like you, when you come out hard, guns blazing on an opinion that you don't fully understand, and then you end up being where you're wrong. You lose credibility. That's the that's literally the how it works. Like if they but look at the audience though. What I'm what I'm saying is what I'm saying is. If if I go if I do a stand up bit right mm -hmm. if I do a stand up bit of everything we just talked about about cancel culture and how it's wrong to you know believe all women but also it's very brave when a woman comes out if she's been a real victim we should support them too like if you make a stand up bit where you jump through these hoops mm -hmm. and explain the situation just the way you I and Aaron are talking right now most of the time the audience will be on board with you as long as it's funny and your point is valid and consistent and it makes sense you know Yo, what I'm Parth, saying I think you're but, living in a fantasy world right now bro. <laughs> no, it does. Look at, look at, I mean, no, because no, I think right, I'm saying this one last thing, right? I'm just saying that, like, what what some people find to be hilarious, other people find to be offensive, right? It's right, right. And I'm saying, and I'm, what, what my point was, what my point was that if you if you see the audience of who you're performing in front of at, at a stand up, 
show and compared to what you write on Twitter, even as a joke, like Kevin Hart wrote a bunch of jokes at the end of the day. Those, those gay comments were jokes. Those, those are not real comments. He said it. The, the point is that the audience on Twitter is you have to think about who th- those people are, people who are just on Twitter to get get upset about random shit or for attention or, you know, it's, it's 140 characters. You're going to write something incendiary just to get followers who agree with you. Right. And so the mindset of people on Twitter is not a mindset you want to even fuck around with. And that's why I think, Michael, when you say there's a 50 50 chance if you tweet something, uh, tweet about something that you're you're uninformed about. I don't think it's 50 50. I think it's a 90 percent chance you're going to lose that battle. Yeah. But, see, but OK, look, okay. here's a here's a here's a technique. Right. That when white people want to use the word like like use the word nigger. Right. They have to speak mm-hmm. on somebody else saying it. Right. They can't say it for themselves. Right. And you mean the one who quote they, they need to quote what's that dude the guy who wrote Huckleberry Finn? Yeah, 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 yeah. They quote something or they talk about like a, a new a, a, a newscaster or something like that. It, it gives them the opportunity to use the word, but then not have right. the accountability behind it. It's like a it's a psychology thing, and I feel like it's the same thing that okay, right now when you talk about cancel culture, is that people who never had a voice before now have a voice. That's what we have to all understand is that. You know, people like, for example, Indians, they get clowned all the time. Asians get clowned all the time. But then whenever you now, now people are able to hold you accountable for you, you know, making jokes that, you know, transgenders don't like, like, think about it. When, when, um, the reason why Kevin Hart's joke was so funny was because gay people were the joke, but they're tired of being the joke. You see what I'm saying? So when he did, when he didn't have. When, when the platform wasn't large enough for those people to come out, because think about it, if a gay person complains, they're like, ah, oh, you're gay, who cares? You know what I mean? But later on, when now gay people actually have, you know, um, support, those jokes aren't funny anymore. So now you have to look for who else is a disenfranchised community that I can make fun of. But are you saying, are you then saying I can't make jokes about gay people now? No, 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 no. What I'm saying- They've always been, they've always been, they've, they've been victims for a very long time. I get it. But does that mean going forward, no more gay No, jokes? no, no. I'm what sorry, I'm saying, what? what I'm saying is you have to use the psychological technique of using the, the, the butt of the joke, which it might be a gay person, and then making it to where you're not accountable for what's being said, like how people say nigger. You know what I mean? Like, like what's God has that joke? Uh, Louis C.K. has a joke of him saying nigger. And, um, it went off with with huge bang with black people loving it, everyone loving it because he's not accountable for the word and he used psychology behind it. That's where you have to be clever because he can't you can't blame him for using a word that he's explaining how it's used. You see what I'm saying? So the same way of if you make a joke about gay people, if you make a joke about Asians or you know um, uh, uh, black people or whatever, you have to be so sophisticated in the joke now that people are woke to what you're doing that you out clever them. Like that's the, right. that's the genius behind right. it. Is that yeah. if it's not if it's not going to out clever people, it's not worth saying. That's a, that's can the I, whole point. Can I put in a comment after that too? Is that yeah. I think you're totally right, and I think that there's there's some examples where we can pull from, especially today, um, where at the beginning of our careers we weren't that funny right mm-hmm. we get on stage mm-hmm. we write something down like we might think it's a funny thought but our delivery is not there or or mm-hmm. we try to choose um uh topics that are very very like you know low-hanging fruit 
Mm-hmm. And an example of this, oh, sorry, before that. But then, like, as you mature, you get to understand that you shouldn't be saying some of these jokes, that they aren't actually funny. And you have to navigate the waters of just like, how do I get my point across that this is funny and that the audience will agree with my point of view? Right. Mm-hmm. And all that takes a lot of time and effort and it takes trial. Um, it, 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 it's like a it's like a practice. Right. And that's why when you when you get on stage and you bomb, for instance, it's a learning moment for you, right? But mm-hmm. nowadays, you take a soundbite or you write something down and it's there forever. And I have an example for you guys. This uh, this comedian, Megan Amram, right? I don't know if you if you guys are familiar with her work, but she's a, she's a comedy writer and she was um, a co-writer and producer of that show, The Good Place, and a couple of other places. So she's very, very well known. She had a couple of jokes in 2012 that were very unsavory, uh, nowadays especially. This is one of them that I found. It was crazy how you can eat Chinese food and then an hour later, you're still racist. That's fucking great. Yeah, that's a good one. I saw it and I just thought it was funny, but like she's getting like so, she's getting a lot of heat for it, right? Um, And this is not the only, the thing is, I think that part of the problem is that she has made a lot of Asian specific jokes. So that's not really. So that's okay. That's, but does that get balanced though? Does it get balanced if she also made jokes about black people and gay people? And then you're like, okay, she's making jokes about everyone. Or does she double down and say, no, fuck you. I'm a comedian. I'm allowed to make no, jokes. No, 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 how no. Do you, how do you escape? Okay. Y'all know the, um, y'all know the little, okay. I have a four-year-old and three-year-old. So, you know, they're not girls, but you know, when they play with toys and they have like a fake iron, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, they're, they're putting on them to like, ah, it's so hot. It's burning me. Right. The thing about the backlash on what you're saying, uh, as far as like, you know, after you're, you know, why, an hour later, you're still racist, is that the backlash on it, that's not real heat. You see what I'm saying? Like, there's there's real heat that people take seriously and there's fake heat. You know what I mean? Like, to me, someone saying that is like a real issue is fake heat. You know what I mean? Like, it's not it's not for real. You know, it doesn't address any particular real issue with anything. It's just that people... Some people feel butthurt about it and they're saying, hey, I got an issue with it, but it's not going to rise to the top because if you play that joke to anybody and they laugh, I mean, it achieved its goal. But it won. But yeah, but right. it's one. Yeah. yeah. But they're not, she's not saying, why are Asians so, you know, this or so that, you know what I mean? Like she, she's saying something about Chinese food that it's weird that we call a food Chinese food. And then she's saying, and an hour later, you're still racist. It's a play on words. So at the end of the day, you could bring oh, it to anybody. Yeah. This is another one. Okay, this I think this is this is a reason why I think that she is getting this heat is because she has made a lot of a lot a lot of Asian jokes. This is another one. Mm-hmm. All right, it's not politically correct to say retarded anymore. You have to call them Asian Americans. Oh, right, that, that one, that was one. messed that up. One's yeah, tough. I didn't like that, that one. one. That, that was, was tough. That was all right. All right, now 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 it's like. You know what? You were going, you were doing well, but now you went too close to the sun, and now it's yeah. like, oh, yeah. no, that's it. To me, that's real heat. You know what I mean? Like that is real heat. Yeah, I can, yeah, yeah. This, I can stand and behind like that a, and say that's, that's the issue. And then um, Bowen Yang uh, on on Saturday Night Live uh, mm-hmm. made a comment, uh, like a like a Twitter comment, uh, just about his feelings about about this thing. And uh, of course, he was just like, it's not something that we haven't seen before, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I don't know. She's just. And the thing is that, like, she put out those tweets uh, in, like, 2011, 2012, and 
and ironically, uh, she got called out on Twitter because she was talking about Black Lives Matter and where to donate and all this good stuff. And then someone was just like, yeah, well, we still remember how racist you are. And then just like took screenshots of all of her previous tweets from like eight years ago. Right. But she but she could respond to that in a way that she, she addresses the issue. You know, no, no, no. I'm saying when you have the right response, like, for example, a little honesty, but then a little empathy, which is like, I'm not saying this is the way to respond, but if she was like, honestly, I got to be honest, like at that time when I was writing those jokes, I thought they were funny at how I look at it now. They're not funny to me at all. You know, they're abhorrent. I I, I can't believe that's something I would say or that something I thought was funny. It took a lot of maturity for me to understand that. But at the time, I literally thought that was something that was funny and people around me thought it was funny too. But you know, now looking back on it, there's a lot of things that I could have improved on. There's a lot of things I could have said differently. And that for sure is one of them. I don't like that joke and blah, blah, blah. And then people be like, okay, that's good. She's empathetic and she understands. Cause at the end of the day, you have to just say, I understand where you're coming from now. You know what I mean? Like it is a, a poor joke, you know what I mean? But once you, cause once sure. you diffuse, once you diffuse, like, you know, all that, cause you know, when people have issues, like I know this, when people got issues like with me or anything like that, it's easy to diffuse and say, okay, I, okay, okay. Now I understand what you're saying. As soon as you say that, everything starts to drop. They're like, okay, I'm finally understood. Cause that's what's mm. happening is that Asian Americans or gay Americans or transgenders are like, okay, we're not being understood. And we're looked at as the butt of a joke. And we no longer want to be the butt of a joke. We do want right. to laugh and we do want mm. to like, you know, like we think about it. Everyone wants to be made fun of so you could laugh. So therefore you could use that as more artillery for other things. You know what I mean? Like that's what, that's the love of like jokes is that, you know, it inspires you to like laugh about yourself. But then when you have someone who is laughing at your expense, you laugh, but then you go home, you start feeling like shit. You know what I mean? Like you don't feel good about the way that that came off. Cause you kind of evaluate like, okay, I think I was laughing because everyone else was, but I don't really think that was funny. And then I think, I think what you're talking about here is basically stereotypes and racism. Like yeah. stereotypes are okay. If you can get away with making fun of a stereotype, right? Like there should be a hard line on what, what stereotypes are okay. And I think that makes like Asians eating cats and dogs. I've seen those jokes done by other Asian people, mm -hmm, right, on TikTok mm -hmm. and stuff. They make a video like, oh, I'm hungry for lunch, and then I look at my cat, and I'm hungry. I've <laughs> seen other Asian Americans do that. Like, you, the, the community tells you what you can make fun of. Yes, you 100%. Know? Black, black, I've, seen, I've seen black TikTokers make jokes about how they love watermelon and fried chicken. Mm -hmm. I've seen Indian Americans talk about how they smell like curry, but they see white people eating curry, or, yeah. you know, they use curry as a perfume now, and white people love that shit, but before they hated them because they smell like curry. Like, there but are, they, but do you see? Are, but you see when you talk about the TikTok ones, do you see how they make the joke? It's like they make fun of themselves by saying, exactly, "You know what I'm exactly. saying?" Like that's the, how you out clever people. Like you, you don't, right. you don't make yourself accountable by saying, "Why do y'all smell like curry?" It's 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 in the sense that why do people think I smell like curry? Boom, there's a laugh, and then you're confused, but then you're now now you're the joke. I mean, you're the comedian, right? right, that, right you yeah, know? You're, you're, yeah. So it's I think it's basically a discussion on stereotype versus racist like if you say all indian people smell like curry and i hate that they're stinky okay now you have an issue yes but if but if you make a joke about how all indians own gas stations that's not as bad because you know it's kind of like yeah we're successful but also yeah we do seem to own a lot of gas stations. yeah yeah that's but, see, but, but if they if they made fun of the fact that y'all own Gas station, gas station in a way right. then it'll be to be like where's this going you know what i mean because they're right. like stereotypes do have a like a, a hint of racism to them right because oh, yeah, for sure. it's based you know yeah but it's again it's a it's there's degrees to it like at what degree 
are you trying to achieve your laugh and trying to make everyone laugh? Because that's why when you're talking about, Aaron, when you're talking about like, you know, as you start out making jokes, you start to mature and then you figure out like, you know, what's actually funny, what's not and what's the what lands better and these things. And also with that maturity is to understand that when you start out, you you say things that you think are funny. You know what I mean? Like, I this right. is what I think. is Yeah, I think. I would laugh at this. But then as you mature, you understand these are things that anybody would laugh at. You know what I mean? Like this is yeah. something that I can make a crowd laugh at no matter what they look like, because this in and of its core is funny, period. Not just funny to me. It's just funny, period. And that takes time for people to understand. That's why I feel like Kevin Hart, you know, it's, the easy jokes are when you you uh, you strike on a disenfranchised community, just like a, as an easy knockdown you know what i mean like people be doing it to people who are you know like mentally ill or people who are or like know, agents. Agents. Like yeah yeah sure. yeah so, like yo but michael michael but, that's that's that that's making me think of what you just said about doing a, a, a comedian should know what his crowd will laugh at is making me just think about imagine somebody who grew up in oklahoma and only did jokes in front of racist white people throughout <laughs> their career and they're like i'm making the crowd laugh so this is going to work in new york and then they go to new york <laughs> and they're like these have to work yeah, no, no, no. But this, see, is my, but this is my best material. Um, but she, but, but see, no, seriously, you, like, yeah, Michael, for like two seconds, I just want to like reach up, like, just talk about this for, for like just a second. Yes, when you do start out, I think it was different for us because we did have the internet, but it wasn't not, it, it wasn't like everybody was looking to dox people or out people, right? In fact, mm -hmm. when we were growing up during like these AOL chat moments and, and all this shit, um, it was all about trolling. It was a, it was mm -hmm. like the best jokes were the most offensive jokes, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we had that time to grow uh, without being publicly shamed. But now what's going to happen to the second, like this, this new wave of comedians that are just growing up right now? Like how are they going to, uh, I don't know, test out material that they think is good but is insensitive but be- I feel like, I feel like it'll be better. I feel, I feel is, that you the thing is going to be better for yeah. them right now. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like everything now, because it'll be better. The reason why is because not only do your jokes have to be a little bit more diverse, but they have to be smarter and more clever. It's like right now, since we have so many options for things to watch, your shit has to be really good for people to actually pay attention to it. So the fact mm -hmm. is that you can either fall and be noise or you can actually be the top tier. Cause right now, Think about it. If you're a musician right now, it's the easiest time to drop music and be a musician. Mm -hmm. But the thing is that if you if you could create your sound combined with good timing and production and all this, you can not only rise to the top, but you could literally go viral overnight and then become a huge star with, you know, whatever it is. So I feel like when it comes to like testing out jokes in the past, when you would test out jokes without having or being shamed or whatever for, you know, like saying something is the fact that when I would make jokes on gay people, gay people aren't in the room. You know, like it's just how uh, we it's how we think of gay people. That's why it's so funny is because we think of gay people like this. And if you say something about people who we think are and I put in quotes retarded, they're not in the room. So therefore, we can make all these jokes based on our ignorance because the fact is is that a lot of these jokes or a lot of these things about disenfranchised communities are based because they do, they're not in the room. So therefore, we look at them like um what do you call it like an object. So we objectify them. Uh, if you listen to like. Uh, like me, I, I'm, I used to be a huge fan of um, of Tom Segura, but I'm not as, as much of a fan at all. I don't even watch anything of his. Like if anything of his pops up, I just don't watch it because he objectifies black people 
a lot throughout all his like like if you go in his like podcast he makes fun of black people so badly and he brings on and he objectifies them and i don't feel good about it like i don't li- some stuff might be funny he lands cool but then most of the stuff it just doesn't land i'm like this isn't funny it's just funny to like white people it's not funny to me it's not funny to anybody but you and your wife you know what i mean and to me that's why if if a black person was in the room he wouldn't make those jokes but he makes those jokes because black people aren't in the room, you know, and his staff, his staff is white. His wife is white. You know, uh, his 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 surrounding comedians, all white. So then whenever a black person comes on his show, he never uses those jokes. He never does. But then when it's only white people, he uses those jokes left and right. So I'm like, look, I understand that he uses the jokes to objectify people or use them as an object um, because they're not in the room and it makes it funnier because white people understand black people in a certain way and black people understand, or not black people, but anybody who, you know, was raised in this country understands racism in a certain way or, you know, uh, misogyny in a certain way. So you can make fun of women in this way and, uh, midgets in that, or, or little people in that way. And it, it not land or it, or it does land. But the thing is, I feel like it has to be where, if the person was also in the room, are you clever enough to make a joke about them that also lands? And a lot of people aren't. So I feel like these little cheap- I think I think what you just said has been really intelligent way to analyze it. It's not like you're you're not coming on and saying, fuck Tom Segura because he made one black joke. You're like, you, you've you looked into it. You're like, all right, this guy's making a couple of black jokes. And then you've seen his other stand-up specials and you're like, okay, he's still making a lot of black jokes, but no other race is coming up. And then you've seen his podcast and the people he hangs around with. And I think I think that's an intelligent way to boycott somebody. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, rather, I don't, like, than, ra- rather than be do what they did to Kevin Hart, which is he made couple of gay tweets oh my god now he has to go on an apology tour yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and i and i and i fully stand behind it but see kevin hart has an issue because like again if you look at this as in people as a whole right like the way i i treat you parth is the way i treat everybody the way i treat you aaron is the way i treat everybody like there's a that's terrible bro you know i mean there's (laughs) anybody like you treat me man yeah no there's a there's a what do you call it there's a uh, equilibrium to how we treat people that we are in one one way as we are in the other. So at the end of the day, Kevin Hart, the way that he, if y'all watched, you know, his his last, like, don't fuck this up, his, uh, on Netflix, you know, a lot of it, I was cheering behind him. But the issue I've always had with um, Kevin Hart is that he has a, a issue with accountability. Like, his dad, if you're watching that little, and that, um, you know, don't fuck this up, whatever, his dad is crying and begging to have a conversation with Kevin about, you know, how he was raised. I mean, how he raised Kevin and he wasn't there for him. But Kevin says, I don't want to have that conversation. You're my dad. I love you, dad. Hey, look, you need money? You need 10000 Here's 20000 Look, I love you, dad. Don't Let's not talk about it. And his dad's begging to have that conversation, but he doesn't want to because Kevin wants to keep it, and I'll put in quotes, positive. And that's the thing is that there's ways to actually talk about something and feel uncomfortable. So therefore, people can understand, okay, this is why you did this. This is what, you know what I mean? So I feel like with Kevin Hart, when he made those gay jokes, he didn't respond in a way that made anybody feel that he was accountable for whatever it was. Like he didn't, it's like, you know, if he said, okay, I understood what I said and I, sh- and I understood that in the time, I thought that was funny, but he didn't say anything. He said, I already said my apologies, which he did not. He lied. You know what I mean? He says, I already told people I apologize for it. So people are like, where's the apology at? He said, look, I already apologized for it. I'm not apologizing again. Therefore, he's being angry and defensive for something that people are just saying, do you hear us? So again, it's like some people have their pride and it gets ahead of them because they feel like I shouldn't be addressing this. This is my truth. And this is whatever it is. It's like, no, like what time does it take to say, hey, look, I hear where you're coming from. 
you know, um, when I did this, I thought it was funny. Like, be honest. Like, I, I did think it was funny, but I see that it's not funny now, and that's not something I would ever do now. But he doesn't say things like that. Instead, he runs from the actual issue, not taking accountability, and therefore people again will continue to add flame, fuel to the fire. You know what I mean? And people are gonna continue saying well, what about what about what about just being like, look, there were there were a couple of tweets, right? Mm-hmm. And I didn't repeatedly do it throughout my career. I don't think that's something I should apologize for. Cause because another example is Bill Burr. Bill Burr, they've tried to make Bill Burr apologize a lot and he's just like, fuck out of here. It's just one person who's offended. I'm not gonna apologize because one person is fucking offended. Right. Bill Burr has used faggot on stage many, many times. And he's there have been bloggers and, you know, smaller journalists who've tried to been like Bill Burr's problematic. And this. he's been like, fuck out of here. But Bill Burr, Bill Burr is a, he's the same way that, you know, like and this is a way it's, it's not the it's not a moral way to respond to things. It's, you know, if Chris Lee wants to get out of this, his thing would just to be just lie. Like if you're talking about like Trump, Trump, he doesn't respond to things that aren't you know, positive towards him. Right. So, and he's the president of the United States. Yeah. So that's something to follow. Yeah. You know what but I'm that's saying? what, like, that, but, but that's why they call him Teflon because he doesn't respond. He's always going to say what he has to say. And, Oh, who cares that, that Bill Burr has created a character of himself that he's, he's an outlandish guy. Not like, um, not like old dude who said the thing about, um, you know, Ari Shafir, not, not like that, where he says things that are just cheap and salacious. I'm talking about, you know, Bill Burr says things, in his growth and you know in his career, that people have found funny, people have found offensive. That's part of his his character. And when he when he goes on, like even when he was on um late a late night show, he was talking about he doesn't like the fact that he said, "Come on, are you really serious? Believe all women, like all of them." And then the crowd got kind of weird. He said, "Look at y'all, y'all getting weird too." And everyone's laughing at that because he's just honest in how he how he sees things. He might not be right, but he's honest. And that's the way that people look at Trump. Like, he, he might not be right, but he's honest. And, you know, so the whole, you know, a devil you know, devil you don't. So people rather know him as who he is than a fake person who's not really accountable for what it is. So that's why I say I feel like if Kevin Hart went back and said, you know, like, I made those jokes. I, it's not like I made them throughout my career. That's not accountability. You know, like, it, it literally, bro, being accountable is, is nothing. It's nothing. It literally pours water on the fire because people are like, okay, he knows what he did. That's it. He knows what he did. But when you say, um, I don't really agree. It, we don't care if you agree or not. You know what I mean? Like, bro, if someone, you know, like if someone fucked me over or did something, to, I don't care how they feel about how, what they did uh, towards me. It's about how I feel what you did towards me. I don't give a fuck how you feel. Right. You know what I mean? So if someone's like, I don't really think I really did, bro, I don't give a fuck what you think. I'm telling you what I think. And you're the person you use my race or you use my character or use whatever it is about me. And I'm telling you what I think about that. So you can't tell me how you think. So, you know, that's null and void. That's why I feel like if you respond, respond in a way that's intelligent, that's clever, that's smart, that's empathetic. You know what I mean? But don't be cheap and be impatient. You know what I mean? Like that. But again, I'm, I'm, I get what you're saying, but where, where my stand is, and I agree. If you're going to respond, if you're going to respond, that's that's the yes. thing I want to highlight. It's the if. If you're going to respond, yeah, do it in a good way where you acknowledge that you made the mistake and that you're not going to make it forward and you learn from the mistake. Mm-hmm. Fine. I, I agree. But my question is, do we always have to respond? As a comedian, I don't want to be held accountable for every joke I made, especially if it made 
majority of the people laugh. I don't want to be held accountable by two or three people whose feelings were hurt. And I'm not. And and again, the example you gave of Tom Segura, right? Like he's he's done he's done something that's consistently, you know, you pointed out to you at least seems like, okay, this guy could be using black people to further his career and make a lot of jokes. Okay. But if it's just a couple of things that made a couple of people upset, I don't think you have to apologize. Cause at the end of the day, remember what, what the art form we're in, we're comedians, right? We are supposed to make jokes and I've never heard a joke. That's not been offensive to at least one person. Well, that, no, no, that's basically a hundred percent agree with you. I don't, I don't think that's a, that's a criteria for a fucking good joke. You know, somebody has to get offended, you know, because uh, somebody has to be butt of the joke. But, we, in a well, way. but so, remember what we said earlier is like, what's real heat? You know, like if it's real yeah, heat, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so then so if it's fake heat, if it's if it's fake heat, you shouldn't have. Yeah, to, yeah. I don't say shit. You shouldn't have. No, to hell no. Because right. some people yeah. said, "Hey, I had a problem with the way that when you text me earlier." All right, what you want me to say? You know, what I mean, I'm not gonna be a sympathetic and you know all this when someone's just trying to be. Um, overly sensitive about something you know what i mean but then when it gets to a point to where she's crying and now she's like going to counseling it's like okay hold on hold on hold on all right i know it's like this you know what i mean if it is like this then i didn't mean it like that you know what i mean and right. i do apologize look the fact that you you know are in crisis mode and all this look i didn't know what my, my words were that impactful in that way negatively you know what i mean so that's that's really as easy as it is that when something becomes real heat um, I'll respond. You know what I mean? But honestly, I think as we're talking wait, about wait, this wait, right wait, now, though, I think wait. I think Aaron is fucking deleting his Twitter right <laughs> now. We're talking about this. <laughs> like, oh, really? Yo, let me find <laughs> these fucked up jokes real yeah. quick. <laughs> yeah. I said yeah. a lot of shit about Puerto Ricans, even though I am Puerto Rican. <laughs> yo, so no, I'm just like listening because I'm just like, yo, Michael, like I, I, I don't think that you get to decide. I mean, and I'm just, I'm just saying this as a person who's seen. Uh, this cancel culture get out of control sometimes, but mm -hmm. I don't think you get a chance to decide when you can respond to something. Because if you take too long, then then you're gonna get uh, vilified for it. And if you if you don't if you if you don't take it as seriously, but you still make the apology, like you're still gonna get crucified for it, right? No, so I think like, no, 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 no. I'm just I'm just going to the bathroom real quick. You guys keep okay, going. Okay, cool. No, I th I feel like it's a battery, right? Like no matter how long in between it, that charge, you know, it starts to build up, starts to build up. And it's at full, like it doesn't really matter how long or when you charge. It's like the impact of your, of your, uh, response. Cause think about it. You can okay. let the, you can let people build it up for weeks. That means that you're going to have to have a week's worth of, of response impact, right? If you respond to it like immediately, it might, it might be bad timing or you might not say the right thing or whatever. So you want to see if this is something that like is a real issue and you could choose to ignore it. And sometimes it doesn't stick, right? Because it's not something that is legitimate or you could find out that, okay, it is legitimate and then have a statement that's equal to the, the level of weight. You know what I mean? So I feel like if, you know, everyone has a choice, you know, and you know, um, we're all a victim of our own choices, you know? So if we make a choice and we choose incorrectly, um, that's on us, you know what I mean? Uh, but if we choose it correctly and that's based on consistency, that's based on accountability, all the positive things that, that let you understand that, okay, I'm making a good decision here to say that like, when I, when I respect, look, and I, I, I only say all this because, you know, when I have, I have employees and they, you know, in the earlier time when I would try to, um, uh, talk to them or respond to them about certain things, it always would end up badly. And I always think it's on them, you know, and I never really 
understood my doing when it comes to how I um, uh, say something or my timing. Through time, I've improved in it by listening and being a little bit more empathetic and more patient. And then my responses have landed way better based on experience. Some people don't have that For yet. Sure. Some people, some people yeah. just think respond the way I respond. It is what it is. Because you know, there, there's times where you see it. You see it played on TV. You see it played on, you know, all the time where someone's like, "Look, I already apologized. If you didn't feel it then, too late. Oh well. That's not that's not a genuine apology. So literally, well, of course, you know, like that's what and happens it, a lot. A lot, you know. And what I mean to say is that, like, like just because you're you have a platform and you have millions of followers doesn't change your mind about that. You thought at that point in time that the joke was funny, right? hundred percent. But my thing is, is that you can apologize for it, but there's no forgiveness. It seems like, or there's very little room for forgiveness um, in the way that we're, we're responding uh, to these allegations, to these, uh, you know, these, these jokes, these, whatever, Right, whatever it, mm-hmm, that it is that mm-hmm. that offended you, right? Mm-hmm. It's like no matter if you make the apology or you don't, um, you you're still gonna get screwed at the end. You still might not even have a career. So, for someone like Bill Burr, I think that he's more like if I if I'm gonna get canceled right now, and if you're gonna take my career away away from me, you know, I worked my entire life for this career. Um, I'm just gonna let you know that this is how I feel about it, and just because you got to offended by it like it, it makes no difference no Where, but you can't i don't think you could cancel on those things i think you get upset but i don't think you could cancel you know what i mean like bad jokes or poorly landed jokes or racist jokes or anything like that those aren't cancelable if that's even a word it's obviously not but um like things that are like uh irreprehensible like uh like rape or um something that is really damaging that you were keeping secret. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like right. those things are like you could cancel. Cause I haven't seen anybody canceled off of things they've said. I've only, I've only seen people canceled off of things they've done. You see what I'm saying? Okay. And right. you know, I feel, I feel like that is what, wait, 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 hold up, hold up, hold up. Do you remember the OG victim of cancel culture though? Who? Michael Richards. Do you remember? No, I the don't. guy who played Kramer in Seinfeld. Oh, oh bro, right? bro, Michael. Yeah, do you man. remember? Do you remember yeah. the rant at the Laugh Factory? My man said, my man said the N word. I think at least ten times on stage. No, 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 no. To think about it again, when I said it's not really what he said is what he did. Is the fact is, is that okay? He could have said a, a racist joke, right? And that not land well and whatever. The thing is that what he did is that he challenged a heckler in the crowd by. Right. Uh, by using their race and by making monkey sounds and saying all these different type of things. And that's what, uh, to me, that's what you did. Like you, he, he right. made a choice to say, all right, I, I don't, I'm, 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 I'm super stressed out. This heckler's coming at me. I'm gonna go at him on his race. And then people were like, uh-huh. people were, bro, did y'all hear? People were screaming and like, Oh my God, stop. And people were like shocked, you know what I mean? Because it's like, he's literally having a meltdown in front of our eyes. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm writing a stand-up joke on this though. That I do you think he looks back at the people getting canceled through Twitter and he's like, "You bunch of pussies." <laughs> I, I I got canceled the real way. I got canceled. I got canceled face to face, bro. You it's know? funny because right. yeah. And I would say this: just one, just one off. Um, something like that, I think is, of course, cancelable. 
but it's also so entertaining though right <laughs> like we just want yeah. to be entertained and i'm like we like for someone to do something that racist and to, and just like so overtly it's not good for his career but it's so it's so good for like talking points and for other people to have conversations about but yeah and, you know, laughing I, about. I think my it's more impactful I think my question like here is joke. here is Aaron to you and I Aaron to you and I that's entertaining but Michael you're black now that he has got his comeuppance right mm-hmm. and now he's paid the price do you think if you would look at that video it would be like entertaining like this guy's fucking up here what an idiot like are you watching the video the way cuz <laughs> I I get it if you're a black person and you saw that video you would be upset right you would be like what the fuck you know how how dare he talk like this like this is even if it's a joke it's out of line and it it is very factual that some people like Aaron, who are not black, we're we're also whoa, that's fucked up. But also, it had this entertainment value of oh my god, this guy's ruining his fucking career, and you're not feeling the hurt that a black person might be feeling. Yeah. But after he's paid the price, mm-hmm. after he's paid the price, then do you see the entertainment value? No. Well, okay. The, the entertainment value of it is that you see someone burning down. I mean, yeah, who, yeah, who, yeah. you see, that yeah, yeah. who doesn't want to see a burning house? You know what I mean? Like right, you, you don't right, want anybody's right, yeah, house to be yeah. burnt down, but when you see a burning house, you're like, Whoa, I've never seen that before. That's kind of like right. the whole thing right. with him is like, Whoa, this guy is really having a melt. And even when I saw it, I didn't even see anything particularly like, I didn't take it personal. I just looked at it like, man, he is having a meltdown. And cause you know, everyone's saying, watch this video, watch this video. Everyone's sharing it. Like what? And black people were like, I can't believe he said these things about black people. It's more like, why did he ruin his career like that? You know what I mean? It's like, he could have talked about anybody. You know what I mean? Like he could have said something about women and saying, yeah, women should just stay in the kitchen and da 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 People are like, what? Why are you really, you really want to ruin your career like this? You know what I mean? And I think right. that's kind of what it was is that if he said something like that was like in his jokes or whatever, like in his performance that was funny or racist or whatever, that you could, you could still live. You know what I mean? But the fact right. is that he stopped his performance and he stopped his stand-up to address someone personally. And it's kind of like, you didn't have to do that, but I'm here for it. Let's go. Let's let me, let me let's watch <laughs> right, it. You right, know? Right. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then when in the in that whole 15 minutes is watching it, it's like, whoa, he's really, he's really losing. And he's getting mad at the crowd because they don't see that he's a you don't see he's a black guy, you see he's a nigger. I was like, wow, he's really, he's really mad. <laughs> he's always black no, people. So- so there is so there is obviously two sides to the coin for me when I when I think about cancel culture. One side, which is like, like, dude, like, oh man, this person shouldn't have done that, this person shouldn't have said that. But then there's the other side of just like, well, if you're gonna say that and if you're gonna do that, play it all the way up. Play just go all <laughs> in. Just, the shit I, out of it, bro. I just yeah, wanna like, see everything that bro. I've ever heard of. I want you to surprise me. You feel me? Bro, if he if he if he started tearing down everything on stage and then he fell on the on the ground and started having a seizure people like whoa like he fully melted down and they would say like maybe he's just sick maybe he had a bad day or something like that but the fact that he walked off stage and you know like the next few days like he was in hiding because he was getting death threats and you know like the new everyone's trying to talk to him but he didn't want to make a statement is because he did something that bad and it's is in i don't know if he was drunk or you know, like like most people blame like Xanax or something like that, but you know, um, it's kind of what it is. That's a good it's usually Ambien that they that they blame. Ambien, yeah, 
Yeah. But that's a good out, though. Like, say something controversial, and then you see the crowd not liking you, pretend to have a seizure, get off stage. I'm sorry, guys. Bro. What, but right before of an onset of a seizure, I say some racist shit. I apologize. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, listen, listen. <laughs> yeah. If, enough people, if enough people claim that Ambien makes some racist, I just want to know what the company's going to say after that. They've already made a couple of statements after Roseanne. Right? It's going to be part of the so, commercial. Like... Also, comes racism. But Roseanne, bro, if you... Roseanne has come out as to be racist and vile so many times that people are just tired of it. You know what I mean? Like if you look at the whole George Floyd situation, <laughs> you're right. It's to say that people weren't paying attention before. Right. Like think about it as many black people being murdered. Like y'all, y'all probably don't get texts of it. Like literally when I'm saying every day, I see it every single day, sometimes multiple times a day where I just get so used to it. Whereas some white people or some people who aren't, understanding black plight don't see it every day so they're like i didn't know this happens like at this at this level not every single day i was like no bro it happens multiple times so literally with the whole george floyd thing is that it finally got to a moment where it was so big and people weren't doing anything they were just paying you know sitting at home doing nothing now they had to pay attention to it you had no no other thing but to pay attention to it with, with roseanne she had her show come back she's making a comeback and then now she does something again now all that attention is on there. They brought up all the other stuff that she did, the Hitler stuff and all this other stuff. And you're like, whoa, she has a, a pattern of being very vile towards other people. You know, and it's not like she's making fun of everyone, you know, like she's not making fun of herself. She's making fun of others. And she's using little like code, like code talk. Like I understand. That's why I said with the whole Tom Segura thing is that, you know, I understand that if certain people were in the room, you wouldn't be saying that. So therefore, some people get too used to it, you know. And right, that's yeah. not good. Then it's not a it's not a good joke. That means if if you can't even make, the, I think that's a good target to have. That if you can make the race or the group of people you're talking about laugh with your joke, you can get away with that joke. Yeah, I think yeah, Dave Chappelle, bro. Dave Chappelle yeah, has blatantly true. said that that all the trans jokes I've done, I've done them in front of trans people. Yes, bro. And give a so if you're getting offended and you're not trans fuck out of here and i think that's a very valid point that if if i made a black person or an asian person or a woman or whatever make or gay person laugh make them laugh at a, with a particular joke and then you're a, a white straight person or you're, you're not part of that group and you're offended fuck out of here i don't i don't really care about your opinion in in a respectful way again like you can't be offended because i feel like there's a really important aspect that we're not talking about which is people getting offended for other people i i, oh, I cannot I take that. that i hate that. right you know and it happens with with like white women you know they're the first to say you shouldn't be doing this you shouldn't be saying that or anything like that because you know like they they have a different outlook on you know because attention yeah yeah, attention, yeah, yeah, yeah. Instagram. and you know basically i feel like because if you look at all the like the the stuff like i i know for sure with the whole um lucy k one I wasn't particularly taking it personal or offended at the nigger joke that he made. Right. And um, mm -hmm. they played it in front of black people and black people were laughing. And it's to say that he was clever enough to, to construct a joke that's so vile, but to make the people laugh that it affects. So therefore it's not accountable where he's saying he's calling you that he's saying, I'm like, he's saying the word based on his, I guess, experience. experience. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So therefore yeah. I feel like, that's why people call Louis C.K. a genius, right? That's why people call Dave Chappelle a genius is because they're, they're wordsmiths. They know how to use their words so well that you can't, you can't really hold them against it because it's not cheap. And like, like when Louis C.K., his jokes, every word is said the way it needs to be said. Every pause, 
nothing's cheap about anything he says. It's practice. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why these guys are legends, right? Like they, they, they know how to talk about, and that's what every comedian's dream is, right? To be able <laughs> yeah. to talk and joke about everything. But how do I do that? Well, you got to be a master of words and and the act, you know. But where, but where well, do you think is where do you think comedy is going now that you know the everything's ramping up, all the the cases and all that, and they're closing clubs and all that. Like where where I, I think Aaron said this at the very beginning, or no, I think it was part about like where we see comedy happening, like you know for the rest of this year, or like where do you see our comedy going? Like what do you like what are y'all doing about it? Well, I mean we're. Yeah, like so we have to adapt for sure. Like there are some clubs over here in Dallas that are that are opening up to do like outdoor patio venues, but it's just not gonna be enough. It's not gonna cut the mustard anymore. And this is kind of one of the topics that I talk about um a lot actually, which is if you're in comedy and you choose to do something like stand-up, uh sketch or 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 sketch comedy, those are written words and you can you can do something with that. But if you're mm-hmm. doing something like improv, then like like you're your fucked. practice is is gone and you're fucked. You can't get you can't get any better, right? But you can mm-hmm. s- still continue to work on uh, you know, written material. So some things that have that I've seen personally is like um Zoom open mics, which I don't I don't know if they're as effective for stand-up comedians that are like, you know, in the grind every day. Uh, because I'm more of a, a sketch writer anyway, but I think that everything in- Zoom is going to open mics makes me, wanna, makes me want to vomit, bro. Oh yeah, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like honestly, like you don't have you don't you don't know how good your joke is. Other comedians don't laugh at other comedians' jokes. You know, yeah, let's you, be real. Well, like, here, here's the issue. Here's what I think. Uh, I, hold on, did you want to finish what you're saying, Aaron? Uh, yo, th- the only thing I have to to say left is that I think that more content is just going to make it online through like TikTok and YouTube, especially these days where you're going to have to create characters, record yourself and put it out there. Um, the The format that Parth and I are doing right now is we're looking into video animation sketches. So oh, that's great. Um, so that's, that's what we're, we're trying to do. We already have a pile of sketches that we've both worked on individually or together. And we're saying, which, which pieces do we want to, uh, produce and how much money are we willing to pay because in actuality if it comes out to be similar to how much you would pay for really great equipment sound audio editors and everything else you might as well especially these days just just go and do and do video animations well you wouldn't you you wouldn't probably consistent just on a business side of it so um you gotta understand how i i see it um you wouldn't pay for stuff like that you know, like if you were to start something like that, what you're saying, which requires like an animator, editor, all those, you have to have partners, you know, where y'all all are in it given sweat equity because no one could afford starting from scratch on high production level things unless you're already rich. So, hmm. you know, if y'all if y'all are gonna do where someone's animating, y'all are y'all are doing more of the, like the writing, y'all are doing more of the sketch writing. So that's where y'all's equity comes in, and their equity comes in with the uh, with the you know uh, drawing the whole thing, and then someone equity comes in producing the entire thing. Someone equity comes in another way. So really, the 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 main thing that you would look into that is just start a team. Once you start a team where all you all put in is sweat equity, that's how you start it. Because the thing about it, once you if you do pick up weight, let's say you did one and you paid, let's say for this cartoon, you know, like $300, 
and it and it picks up steam, you're gonna have to pay three hundred dollars multiple times to keep that steam going, and that's not gonna that's not realistic. You're gonna have to create a um, a level where you have a lot of content because right now with the competition of everything going online, everything has to kind of reach that level above the smoke where people could actually see it. And a lot of that has to do into, we have to go into a lot of content that's produced very cheaply. And the cheapest way to produce it is to have people who partner based on equity, not based on like income. You see what I'm saying? I think, I think the way we're going to do it is no, cause I, I agree with you because playing, paying multiple times is going to be a problem. But here, here's the thing. The first, the first, piece that we're getting animated is we're, we're kind of getting it done on on a much smaller budget mm-hmm. than even three hundred dollars that you mentioned right mm-hmm. we're getting it because we're testing out the animator and we're testing out what the quality is and then we're going to produce a couple of more to see how they are see what it is see how they're being produced and create a bank and then if we feel like okay this is turning into something then we offer the partnership because the question becomes right the, the person that we're dealing with is is a freelancer right Mm -hmm. why would he want to be partnered up with us unless he sees something coming out of it and so we want to reach a point where there is an equity to give away does that make sense yeah yeah i see 100 because we don't don't personally know any animators you get what i'm saying Mm -hmm. like me and aaron are keeping equity 100 because we are doing the directing the producing and the writing right and so this person is only doing the artistic the artistic work we're even taking care of a lot of the storyboarding so the question becomes why do why should we give away any equity to anyone if if we can kind of afford to pay a decent you know minimum viable product cost and see what we can get for a certain amount of our budget and if it ends up being good and we are able to produce money out of it then we give away the equity then we say look man it's more feasible for you to take a piece of the cake rather than us just giving you you know scoops of the frosting once in a while yeah yeah right? which is better than the, what i just said yeah i think that 100% um if you can't afford to own it and you know, like test out people and do all that. I think that's the best way to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We can afford to do it because like, if if it was me, Aaron, and then some other third person that we knew who was also in a comedy, but their like side skill was animation, that would be golden. You mm-hmm. know, hey man, look, we we like writing with you. Let's just bring you on. Let's just do it together. That's the plan. But me and Aaron, that's our that's so skill that we fail at, right? Because we've directed sketches, we've we've produced sketches, we've written sketches, we've we've performed in sketches. Like we know every aspect of the sketch. The only thing that's changing is the medium. So might as well hire somebody and test them out. And then if the work is good, bring them on as a partner. Yeah, because right. I see people who do the like the podcasting way of doing it where they say, Oh, I want to go to the studio and pay fifty dollars every time I do a podcast. I'm like, bro, you're gonna do you're gonna pay fifty to hundred dollars every time you do a podcast. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And then it ends up being where the podcast has four episodes and it's done. Because they're like I'm not making money. I'm not rich off the podcast yet. How? So it's like, at the end of the day, I know a lot of people who start things in a way that is already too expensive for them to afford. And it's like, right, right. you're not going to even keep it going. I'm, I'm in my closet right now, right? Because I need to make sure the sound is good. I'm in my closet right now recording. Like, I don't give a fuck, mm-hmm. right? Like, you bootstrap it. You make it work. Mm-hmm. The only thing that we're sacrificing here is is video. And actually, that brings me to a point. I wanted to ask you, you put up videos of your podcast. Yeah. Uh, the, it's the same Michael podcast, yes. right? Let me plug that again. How do you, where, where are you recording that? Is it in your home? Like, or do you have a studio? Like, what no, do you, how I, are you recording? Yeah, it? It's all recorded at my home. You know, um, mm-hmm. I have a theater room. So it's like, a, I guess an extra room, whatever. It's like, you know, I have this big theater screen or whatever that that's what it was used for. Uh, but then I customize the room to where I have like the, you know, the video. And even what I use for my, my uh, video is my iPhone, you know? So I put that, Together, I press play on that. Press play on the on the podcast uh, on on my roadcaster, 
And then I started going from there, you know? So, um, and the reason I chose it, see, but the thing is, is that I made different investments because even before when I was starting, people were like, why don't you just use this USB mic and use this? And I took it upon myself, you know, to say that I prefer to have a broadcast quality mic because, you know, they, if they use any, any of this in the future, or if they use any of this, like at any time, it needs to be broadcast quality where it could be on the radio because radio only receives certain frequencies. So if, if you have a mic that didn't, that doesn't project certain frequencies, your, your voice doesn't project on radio or anything like that. So I said, all right, let me go with like certain mics. And I went with like the pod mic and then I went with the, you know, the sheer SM7B which I didn't really, I wasn't going to get the SM7B at the beginning, but when they're having issues with the whole China trade and all that, no right. mics were available. And I was like, all right, the only mic that was available is the SM7B. And I was looking to buy three or four mics with that $400 that I spent. But I'm like, you know what? Let me just get the granddaddy of mics and let's see what happens. And I did it. And then the fact that I put it in my place is because I knew of people who did podcasting who always would go to a studio. And I'm like, the, the, the time, the expense and all that is something that I know if it's in my my own residence, that is something I could always make sure that I keep it weekly every single time and I keep consistency because that's all I was looking for to say, OK, I can't. The moment the moment I show any inconsistency, the is a low is a moment that people say, "Oh, he's not in it low. all the way," you know. Yeah, low, it's low quality production. But I think that comes to another point. Like me and Aaron, we're in different locations. Mm -hmm. You know, that's another thing. So it would be like Aaron, you would have to record your video and audio separately, sync it up. Then I would have to do that, and then we'd have to splice it all together because that's another thing. Like Mike, you you hold your you host your podcast on your own, right? Mm -hmm. And the guests that you yeah. bring on are like local Dallas people, yes. right? So, yeah. And I see. And when you talked about the whole Zoom thing like with the Zoom um, uh, open mics and all that is that right now I haven't got into like Zoom interviews because I'll, I'll, I'd rather do in person or over the phone because Zoom, I'll, I don't know if y'all heard the downsides of like, you know, video is that, you know, when you're video, like when you were, were you talking in person, you're able to kind of look off and do other things other than look at the person the entire hundred percent of the time. Right. When you have a Zoom it's, they said it's really exhausting because you have to look at that person and be engaged the entire time, which A, changes the conversation and the comfort level, and it doesn't allow you to be distracted, right? So whenever you're talking on the phone, you're able to walk around, you're able to like grab something, you're able to look something up while you're talking. But if you're on a Zoom, the moment you look away from the camera, everyone's looking at you looking away. So which means, so I mean, I guess that means that we should just stick to this then. Yeah, honestly, yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah, this is a real conversation. If we're on right. Zoom... Right by now, because we've already went past an hour. If, by now, we already would have been exhausted because we're using our mind and our like our sight to look at everybody and connect. Literally, like when you said, "Hey, I gotta use the bathroom real quick," we we're seeing you run off, and then now I'm connected directly with Aaron, and you know what I mean. Like it, it becomes where it's very exhausting to constantly look at your subject versus like look away real quick and do all this real quick because that's what that's that's a natural conversation is that during conversations you do look away you do grab something real quick you do take a sip of water or whatever but you know if there's a zoom you have to constantly be connected to where if i take a sip of water i gotta wait till you speak and then oh okay boom yeah okay that, so it's really exhausting and i don't like the glitches when you hear those little or the timing i don't like all that so again that means that means either i have to move back to dallas or aaron has to move up here that's the only option yeah or you could do the <laughs> other way where where you know he records his and you record yours, you know, but y'all like, again, like, for example, if I'm recording mine right now, uh, you know, like 
and I send you all the audio, you could use that clean, fresh audio and plug it into what y'all are doing. Or you could use it where it just records like, like it is right now. But the other way is that, you know, I could, which is what I think would break it. Cause this is what I've been trying to do. I actually talked to um, Shri, you know, yeah, um, I said, I wanted to Shri do mix a lot. Yeah. Shri Raj. Yeah. Shri Raj. And I was like, you know, if I was going to do the video one, I would want it to where, you know, I'm being videoed as I'm doing a podcast at my, at my home. And then I send him, I, I send a camera to his home where some, someone videos him talking to me. Right. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. what that would be is his crystal clear conversation, my crystal clear conversation, him doing whatever he does on his side, me doing whatever I do on my side. And then you put those together. Now you're looking at almost like a side-by-side movie in a way. And I feel like, but then you're not, but then, okay. So that means I think that is the setup I had in my mind, which would be Aaron and I using our phone, just like you use it. And, you know, individually recording, having the conversation and it would be completely natural. And it would be natural because we wouldn't look at each other. We would just record each other having the podcast. But then the question becomes, don't you you don't you lose the advantage of talking to somebody face to face? Never, never. Right. Because people when they when you're looking when like when you're watching video, you're you're looking at somebody. That's a, that's the issue. Is that look, you hear my doorbell going off. Yeah, you're looking at somebody. So like let's say it's you and Aaron. I'm either looking at you know, uh, Parth it for five seconds and I look at Aaron or I look at that. But if Parth is doing something that is like entertaining, I might look at Parth longer. The issue is that the, the person, the character itself becomes the, 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 the attention where you, you just look at that person. So if you have two videos of one is Parth and one of Aaron and y'all are recording at the same time, having conversations on the phone, it then becomes like, I wonder what's going on in Parth's house, in Parth's crib. You know, you you know, you're looking at what he's doing. He's in the kitchen now, you know, or he's in the closet or whatever it might be. And then you look at what Aaron is doing and it now becomes where someone just looks at it gives you something, something to look at because there's levels to impact of communication. Like, for example, the, the, the lightest form of communication would be social media, second level email, uh, the, the level below that text after that, um, call after that in person, after that, you see what I'm saying? Like, Every every level you get, yeah, (laughs) every level you add on adds a deeper level of connection, not only for you and the persons you're talking with, but then also for the people who are viewing it. So the fact is, is that the video is only for an an option for people to who who want to watch it because I don't consume any podcast through video. I I I consume most of my podcasts through just straight through audio. But see, my wife does not listen to audio she listens literally she watches 100 percent of all the podcasts which we consume differently so it's almost like you know with the whole COVID 19 some people some some restaurants felt they didn't need to have a a pickup or a drive-through uh now you do because you need an option for those who don't use your main method you know what i mean because people think we want the experience to be like this and be like that that's a very personal thing but the experience needs to be if there's an option for for you it should be available. So therefore, a restaurant that's fully equipped would have the drive-through. They'll have the dine-in, and they'll have the dine, you know, the outdoor dining, and they'll have the, you know, the, the pickup. And therefore, they're ready for anybody who's willing to consume their product. And the same thing for mine is that I have the audio if you want to listen. I have the video if you want to listen. So both are options for you, even though I'm more focused in the audio. You know what I mean? But again, my views on um 
uh, on YouTube and on Instagram bring a lot of new listeners. You know what I mean? So I'm only trying. Yeah, that's important. Yeah, I'm only trying. Yeah. I'm just only trying to put out options. You know what I mean? Because people do love options, and if I don't have enough options, I'm then I'm then limited in my exposure. So therefore, I feel like if y'all are gonna do a video in any type of way, it should be in a way that's like very easy and you know, like some, cause right now, if you had a video on you and you had a video on, uh, on Aaron and you had a video on me and then you somehow put that, however you put it into a little video or whatever on, on YouTube, you're going to get listeners. I mean, you're going to get people who watch it. You, it's just going to happen. You know what I mean? And, um, that's how they're going to consume it. And therefore now that they're dependent off that video, that's how they're going to watch all of them. And they're going to have some people who say, you know what? I didn't know this even existed through watching this video. I usually watch it through audio. I mean, listen through audio. Let me go on their audio. They subscribe and they listen. Right. Yeah, yeah that's that. true. I think I think we're going to have to look into that because I, I think we're on episode like 14, 15 now and we need to we need to get on that video game, basically. Yeah, yeah but, you know, sure, you know? The, the thing is, is that, you know, when you're split, you see, you know, we're, we're talking a lot here because I know when you split anything based on, let's say I told you all the different impact levels, that means that you have to divert a lot of attention or have someone who um, is accountable for the things that are uh, important. For example, my video is okay just because I don't have someone who's specifically working on the video. Therefore, it's never gonna reach that level where it's above the smoke where it reaches all the people I need to because the editing and the producing and all that is not there yet. But eventually I'll get there. But see, I have to get started first in order to eventually get there. So I feel like when you start it, it's, it is gonna be at that level where it's not gonna have the impact that you would like it to have because no one's dedicated to solely getting that video out and solely getting the audio out to its audience. But at the end of the day, through time and repetition and consistency, you're going to start finding that, like you can start building your little audience. And that's how I see comedy going, at least for the next like year is that I don't see anybody giving a F at all about going to any standup show. I don't think so at all. Like I feel like if for for how long? Because I'm thinking at least a year at this. point. I think a year sure. because that, like yeah, like maybe those those yeah. people who are like I think y'all remember people who people are avid like they they go to these open mics because they wanna like these are like watchers these are lovers of comedy but then you're not gonna have any new people come into comedy not now you know what I mean that's that's literally that's literally what it is like some people because of y'all's podcast started listening to podcasts you're introducing people into something because of y'all that's what comedy is that. The audience, when you get in, is like, yeah, you have you inherit the audience of people who already come, but the way that you become successful is bringing in that new audience to their, therefore be yours. And there's no way of doing that now because the 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 format in it of itself of stand up comedy requires you to be interactive with the audience. And if there's not going to be an audience for the next six months, I don't even understand the 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 investment in open mics when the when the open mics doesn't go anywhere so i look at it like you're only kind of sh showing yourself off to the same audience over and over but i don't think that a new audience is coming into comedy just like right now when you see that people aren't going into restaurants it's like you might have those people who been your customers going into your restaurant but you're not going to get new customers coming to your restaurant because they're like i ain't about to get sick over there because i don't i don't i don't understand your restaurant like that i don't you know I don't believe in it like that, so therefore I'm not gonna risk my health over going into your new that restaurant. That kind of that kind of really really upsets me, you know, like fucking because Aaron's more of a sketch writer, but for me it's always been stand up. You know, it's always been getting up on stage. Like I I like that. I prefer that. 
I've been doing it for a year and a half. Two, this was supposed to be like my second year doing it consistently. And I moved to Jersey and I'm like, all right, cool. I'm going to start hip- hitting up mics in New York and New Jersey. And now it's fucking everything shut down, you know? Yeah. But the good, so, but, but, the, well, but I, see, I look, have a question the, for Mike though. Yeah. All right. So, so I hear everything that you're saying. And my thing is, is that people are a star for content now more than it any other time pretty much right because yeah. you know you're you're at home and like there's not much that you can do so i i personally think that content will make its way to the internet but if you're a stand-up do you just have to merge into a different lane in order to get comedy content out to to your audience or do you try to work on your material right now during this you know b- these businesses not opening up fully or whatever the case might be until next year. Like what, oh, what do you think I, would be I definitely the right think solution that, for a comedian? I definitely think that a hundred percent of your action should be shifted into something else. Not it doesn't have to be something so thought out to say, okay, now I used to do stand up. Now what should I do now that I'm doing it? It's to say that, okay, how do I communicate or share whatever I have that's on my mind or whatever with my audience? So again, podcasting is probably to me, probably one of the most number one, the number one ways of doing it because Bill Burr's podcast, you're super skyrocketed. Theo Vons and Tiger Belly, all them skyrocketed because you know, now that you can't go see them, you know, um, in their uh, in their element on stage, you have the option of seeing them or hearing or seeing them on YouTube and um and on their podcast. But if you're talking about sketches, the way that, you know, because, you know, parts were talking about, like, it is disappointing, but there is a positive that's coming out of it is that, you know, in a few months where we're not going to have a, a vaccine for um, uh, for COVID-19, we will have available tests for you to be able to test people within a few minutes. So therefore, you'll be able to have those crowds and those um, and those sketches back because you'll be able to test people right here. Right. So if I'm able to go to CVS and get 40 tests, that means that I can invite people onto my podcast as guests because I could test them right now to see if you got it. And if you got it, you can't do it. And, you know, with the clubs, you could come into the club if you don't got it. If you do got it, you can't come in because right now the only thing that we're using right. to, to test people are um, is to see if their temperature is above a certain one. And some people are asymptomatic, so they might not even have a temperature, but they're still able to spread it. So right now they're developing tests and this is again before vaccines. So it's not really about the solution of a vaccine saying that we can go back to normal. Then it's to say that give it a few months. How I see it, that you're going to start to have people who are testing people like right now, uh, Joe Rogan tests people who come on, uh, to the Joe Rogan, uh, show. So the Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan experience that, so he tests them before they get in, but see, he has the income and he has the availability for the test that he has the same test that you could get that, you know, physicians have but since we are at a shortage of tests you know um not everyone has access to that so therefore we all have to kind of deal with what we have so i feel like over the next six months there there will be what is kind of currently exists but the thing is that i don't see people consuming content in the same way online because like let me give you an example people you know people uh deactivate their instagram are y'all familiar with deactivation deactivating your Instagram? Yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. The reason why people deactivate it and come back on is because if you deactivate it, I can't find your page to unfollow you. So if you have 10,000 followers and say you want to be inactive on Instagram, if you leave your page up and it's inactive, 
you know, I do that sometimes and then people will start to unfollow you, unfollow you, unfollow you, right? But if you deactivate it, people can't even find you. You don't even exist on Instagram. And then, Yo, you're putting industry secrets out right now, dog. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just, <laughs> so, so, basi- so basically, you know, it's the fact that more people now have deactivated themselves off of Instagram and other places more than I've seen ever before, mainly because the exhaustion, which I've felt, this is me being completely honest. I felt that in the last, since the whole George Floyd thing, I've been too exhausted with Instagram. Um, it's just a little bit too overwhelming and I don't feel great about it after I get on. So therefore I kind of, I kind of put on bricks, which I don't really care. It doesn't, doesn't matter. I'm again, I take those things and I work on myself in other ways, but it's to say that now people have more choices to just, you know, mind their own business or go into it. So I feel like we're still dealing in inconsistent markets still. So even if you are trying to do sketches and you do it all and you put it online, you're still not going to land very well until you get a certain level of consistency online, which is still, it's still not there. And I feel like the way that we get there is by having these, these available tests for people um, to know if you got it or not, because therefore, you know, you'll get back to at least to me, 90% normalcy, you know, um, because people are not going to be worried about if you got it or not, if they could test you right then and there, you know what I mean? So um, that, that to me is what to look forward to is that right now, this is a time for you to work on your material in ways because bro, think about it after this whole thing. It's not that you're losing customer. Okay. Okay. I know I'm talking a lot, but this is the way I, I do it with my business. When it rains, it's not like people are going to other car washes and not patronizing me. No one, no one ain't doing shit. Everyone's in the house. As soon as it stops raining, everyone's hitting me up, just like they're hitting everyone else up, whoever's available. I ain't trying to wait in line. Can you clean my car right now? That's how it works now is that right now it's raining. So ain't nobody. No, no. Yeah. There's, there's going to be a huge influx of huge. people going to comedy shows. Yeah. When, so like open, open mics, you're going to have the biggest. I feel like as an open micer, when you see those those nights where you don't have a lot of people, that's not going to happen. be happening for at least six months after we completely open up. Just because everyone's going to be like, I need something to do. Yes, 100%, bro. Yeah. And that's when you take the advantage. I think that's when you, like, prepare yourself. Because it's like... You know, when you're when you're when you're creating a piece of metal, you gotta heat it up. And I think like right now it's heating up, and when the time comes, you gotta be ready to strike. You know, That's with right. the hammer. That's right. Yeah, because all those because all those football players, all those football players and basketball players, you got some who are partying, drinking, eating, ain't doing nothing. And then when the season starts, they're trash. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. And then you got some people who are in the gym, who in the gym, in the gym because they diverted their energy from being on the field to in the gym. You see what I'm saying? So that's why. I'm not. I'm not looking at any loss from not being on stage because a lot of how I test out my material is a on the podcast and with audiences that I already have in front of me. When it comes to people within my business, you see what I'm saying. So at the end of the day, right, I'm right. still writing material. I'm still, you know, uh, flushing it out. I'm still expanding in this way. I'm not losing anything from not being on stage because when I get back to stage, I'm gonna have more material ready than other people who just kind of like, you know doing nothing and just getting fat. But I feel like, I feel like being on stage gives you this, at least for me, being on stage is like, it kind of gives me a bit of motivation, you know, where it's kind of like uh, on, during the weeks where I was, I was consistently going out. Like if there's a period of time where there'll be periods of three months where I'll be going to at least three or four open mics a week, which is what happened when I moved here. Right. I was hitting up three open mics, one in New York on the weekends and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And it kind of gave me this motivation where, okay, you know, new week, I need to come up with three new jokes where now it's like, I'm, I'm gonna just chill. 
I'm 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 gonna write stuff, but like I'll write the idea down and then I'll work on it a week later. It kind of it's like there's no urgency anymore. Yeah, but the, you know? where there's no yeah, urgency, yeah. there's no I feel inspiration. Like you always got to be prepared though. Like that's the thing. Like yeah, yeah, like I I do the same thing where like I, I I write down a funny idea and I might not execute on it, but I feel like this this time that I've been indoors, I've been trying at least as best as I can to work on as much stuff as possible. So by the time things are starting to open up, we can have shoot dates and we and we do have storyboards made. And I do know what actors I want to reach out to so I can work with and all this other good stuff because I'm not trying to waste this time. I feel like this time was a gift. So just yeah, but what Part said, the, the, the way like when you said like you don't have the inspiration or the urgency, and I, and I said like, you know, where there's no urgency, there's no inspiration is to say that like, bro, you could write down or you could sculpt out a quick joke and it, it you not work on it, but then later on in the future, you do have the inspiration to support that. That's the same way I'm saying that. Right, right. And that's what I'm missing. That's what I'm missing. It's like it's like, yeah, I write down the idea and what the joke I want to make is and what the idea is. Like I'll write a quick paragraph down, right? But then it's like I I feel at a loss where it's kind of just marinating. But you're like, not, for example, because you're, wrote, you're pa- that's what patience is. Right. But but here's the thing. Like I I wrote a I I think we should go for like ten more minutes, by the way, and then we should end this. But uh uh well, well and 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 i think this is the last point i mean that we're talking about about writing material in this quarantine is that i have a joke on black lives matter that i'm making right mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll i'll tell you the bit the bit is basically uh i used to support black lives matter but i don't anymore because uh it's ruined interracial porn for me every time i watch a black dude in a porn scene now i worry that he's been through some kind of racial injustice and i can't concentrate anymore right mm-hmm. that's the joke mm-hmm. But it's kind of like three months or six months later, how am I going to make that joke? Because Black Lives Matter isn't in everyone's mind at that point. Do you get what I'm saying? No, I think, it, A, it is in everyone's mind. The thing is, is that it's just not on. Will it be six months down the line, right? I can't do this joke about how, you know, Black Lives Matter or whatever in January when it might not be on people's mind. But it will be. You might be able to get away with it because Black Lives Matter has been a movement for a couple of years now. Yeah, yeah. It's been so, for the last six years. So I feel like you're now being woke to the whole black lives thing that's what inspired that joke therefore that joke will last you might not think it is because you're thinking in the, in the terms of your what you know but but in what well, no because my thing is it's like okay the minute he it's it's also the the energy of the audience right like if everyone is thinking about black lives matter and this entire fucked up racial injustice situation that's happening in the country right and then people and this is a scenario that i'm thinking in my head would happen if if the the you know, the comedy places were open. The audience is sitting there, they're tensed up, comic goes up, and I say Black Lives Matter, everyone's tensed up. Oh, it's a serious topic. And then when you say the joke, because it's such a heated moment right now regarding it, and it and it and it's a funny joke and it deflates the situation, you get a bigger laugh. But in January, that might not be the case. Black Lives Matter will be in people's minds. Yes, I agree with you. It's a movement. It's been there for five or six years, but it won't be at the tense level it is right now, right? Like, Michael, you, you just said that on Instagram, you know, you you deactivated it because of what's happening with the riots, George Floyd situation. Black Lives Matter is on your mind, right? Mm-hmm, it's a serious mm-hmm. subject, whatever. And then you hear a comedian make a joke about it that lands and is good. The laugh or the the exhalation will be bigger compared to in January where the issue is not as serious. Do you get mm-hmm, what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, but see... Like, it's like, it's like you... Well, I was going to give an example of 9-11, but that's fucked up. Okay, can, can, I, can I respond to that real quick? Because you know... 
um, I just sent you a text, right? Which you'll end up seeing whenever you get a chance is that um, this is a guy named Shiggy, you know, um, he does stand up every now and then or, or whatever, but um, he does his stand up in essence through video on Instagram. Now, the laugh comes because you know what you're saying is funny. So like right now, if you if you put a video of you talking like this to say like, man, I don't know if I'm like really into like this whole Black Lives Matter situation because like with porn, da 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 da, and you kind of break down the joke or you say the joke or whatever, and you're saying it kind of like serious, but the the the, the laugh is in your seriousness, and you hashtag Black Lives Matter do this. That is the opportunity to where you could make audiences laugh because that is a form of standup, but you can't have the same form of what you would on stage when it's not available. You know what I mean? So you have to yeah. say, how do I adapt this joke into a form that is available? And, you know, and again, this guy, all he does is talk in the camera and say, Hey bro, look, man, I look now that I've been in this quarantine, I can get a little fat. And now that I'm feeling fat, I'm feeling like that. Like it's the same you know, like tools that you would use on standup, but you're just talking to a camera and you're using that new form of meeting audiences. And then you look at the comments, 22,000, ha ha ha, bro, it's so hilarious, bro. Share, 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 because it's hilarious, you know? And um, same thing, if it doesn't land, you will not get people laughing, you know what I mean? Because I know that because when I post a video on um, on Instagram, if the, if the, the, the headline is correct and the joke, whatever it is that I'm saying or whatever it is that is in the conversation lands and it'll have like 800 views in like two days. But if it doesn't, it'll be like at 200. So therefore, and then you'll see the comments and you know, I'll get a comment here and there from my, my, my supporters, but I'm not going to get those strangers laughing at it. But when I get those strangers, like bro, hilarious, Hey, hilarious. Right. Then I know, okay, I'm starting to adapt my tools from standup into um, into this form online, you know what I mean? Cause there's different ways to do it. And it does take a little, uh, discomfort cause you got to get out of your comfort zone because that's the same way you got into standup is getting out of your comfort zone. So now you got to take your tools right, from standup right, yeah. and then adapt it to new forms, which is again, part of the fun. You can't look at it and say like, if standup wasn't available, I wouldn't be doing anything. He's like, if standup wasn't available, I'd be finding other different forms of comedy for me to go in on. So this is, this yeah, is I've been time. using TikTok. I think I think I'm gonna start doing that kind of shit on TikTok because I've been I've been posting some of my videos on TikTok to see what's happening and it's it's not been that bad, you know. And people find your shit randomly. It's like on Instagram, you got to use hashtags yeah. and stuff. On TikTok, it'll just randomly come up on somebody's feed, you know. Yeah, yeah. The hours the program, so that's what so. I'm saying. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think we're pretty much done. Yeah. Let's wrap it up, man. Anything else? Yeah. You all, say, Aaron, I, mean, I, you know, you I just want to say thank you, thank you, uh, Michael, for just coming on, blessing us with your with your fucking wisdom right now, because you you drop so many bombs right now. Uh, you know, for anybody out there that's listening, still, congratulations, you made it to the end. Um, but also check out Michael's uh, podcast. It's Say Michael. All right, it's on all platforms, if I'm not mistaken. It's yeah, it's on all Apple. platforms. On it's on YouTube as well. And I must say that look. This was so fucking fun and hilarious, and uh, I love this podcast. So um, I, it's an honor for me to finally get on it and um, have this conversation. It was it was great. I loved it. Yeah, we appreciate it. Uh, don't yeah, forget to follow on. us on uh, Barely Joking um, Instagram and Twitter. It's B E A R L Y Joking. All right, guys. <laughs>